Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dead Inside, starring me, Richard Lewis, Duncan Thorin Shields, Sam Davis. The gang's back together to talk about Counter-Strike and pretend that it matters in our increasingly dystopian world in which we exist. How are you, Duncan? Are you good? Yeah, it's going to be sad one day when I'm just calling in from some sort of a detainment centre over like one call a week. Like, all right, Rich, I've got half an hour. So, um, see any of the games? No, don't have it on the prison set in here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to, yeah. Yeah, we're not allowed to watch Counter Strike. They say it inspires uh, violent thought, right? Um, anyway, uh, look, just before we get into talking about uh, Counter-Strike and the tumultuous time that we've had, uh, which I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking about Astralis and Refresh uh, for a change. Right. Um, let's get right into it then. So we had ECS, right, which is Face It's, uh, um, you know, kind of uh, grand finals uh, that they have, you know, this league, which is basically sort of run in uh, tandem and partnership with some of the big names, uh, some of the big orgs, many of whom weren't there at the, at the finals uh, because that uh, on online component of the season does have a tendency to wear you down. And uh, lots of stories because this was the first time we were really going to see Astralis at LAN for a long period of time, certainly since they'd lost their crown, lost the top spot to Team Liquid. And I think uh, there were a lot of Astralis fans that kind of felt everything was going to be okay. The status quo would just resume itself. We'd just pick up where we left off. And, uh, of course, people like you and me, Duncan, we've been saying, look, we've been around this game for a fucking while, and one thing is absolutely true. And that is that if you don't practice, if you don't compete at the highest level, if you don't keep, uh, you know, up to speed uh, where you need to be when you're a, an elite level team, you will get fucking found out. You absolutely will. It's happened so many times that t teams that have a long period of time off after being successful come back and they're like, wait a fucking minute. This is actually hard. You, you need to have that like champions equilibrium. And that uh, the top teams uh, find themselves in, but but uh, as you rightly tweeted out, there were a lot of people who honestly thought Astralis were just going to breeze into the ECS Seven Finals, win it, and and say fuck the haters. Well, of course, what we got was, I mean, for for my money, a team that was completely unrecognizable to the Astralis that went away. Um, you know, when it was the number one team in the world, right? I, I, did you actually watch uh, the games? I'm guessing you did, right? Yeah, I went back and watched all these ones. No, I mean, there's a few things to say there. Like, first of all, again, how new are you, Fox, to this game that you actually just think that you can just chill for months and maintain the best form any team had ever played at in the history of Counter-Strike? What a ridiculous notion. Like, I don't think people are fully aware. Astralis could have kept playing and gone to all the tournaments and they might have lost that level of form. Like it's it's that's why I really do think when people look back in time, even if Astralis figures it all out next tournament, wins the next event, wins the next major, there will be a point in time they will look back and think, what 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 did we give up there when we just took all that time off? Because that's what's so bizarre to me is like nothing is nothing is given in Counter-Strike. Like go back in time, right, to when Fnatic won those six tournaments in a row and then the next tournament was the major, MLG Columbus. Well, obviously they're going to win that, aren't they? And then when they win that, Rich, they'll probably just remember, oh, what's that? They didn't win another big tournament for fucking years. Years. And then like, go look at any other team. SK Gaming, they won ESL Cologne. They looked impossible to beat. 
they didn't win any other lineup events with that lineup. They had to go through a whole bunch of semis, final. Like it's happened so many times. So the idea that you could actually like actively refuse to attend the big tournaments, refuse to get proper match play. And then remember, there's like stages to this. First of all, it was already an assumption for some reason with everyone else that like Astralis would definitely win all three of those blast tournaments that they went to. Well, mm. fortunately for them, Rich, they only won one of those tournaments. So they only won one of the blast tournaments. Then, even though they were supposed to win those tournaments because they're the best anyway, when they didn't win it, I noticed everyone, like the saddest thing about this whole Astralis thing is the people who are fans of Astralis and Blast have been so pathetic with how they've argued. It's ridiculous. They haven't even made any, like, based points. Like, there's no interesting concept behind anything they've said. So when Astralis didn't win Blast, an event that, remember, they're supposed to be arguing is perfectly fine to attend and is still real Counter-Strike, then we're yeah. just told a bunch of bullshit of, like, well, it is just a bunch of best of ones. And plus, maybe they don't really even care that much about Blast. It's like, you got, you're arguing against yourself from, like, a month prior. It's so weird. Then we came to that principles where when I outlined to people the premise that already was in place, which is before ACS even begins, there'll have been a three-month spam where all they did is win a blast. That's it. Like, that will be the three-month window. People then went, so what? As long as they win all those tournaments in the summer. It's like, again, why are you giving people not even just one tournament? Think how hard one tournament is to win. You're giving people, like, three championships before they even have to play a game. And then yeah. when they actually go to the tournament and they lose to Furia, like three out of four maps or something, people have the fucking gall to suggest like, well, maybe it's just because they haven't played Furia or, you know what? Even though they lost, they didn't look like absolutely terrible when they lost. It's like, fuck, what, did, what, what would these people have to do for us to be right? I sometimes wonder on that one because when I set up a premise like, oh, I don't think this team will do X, Y, and Z. If they do, I don't go, doesn't count though because it wasn't exactly how I said. <laughs> no, you go, fair enough, fair play. Like, for example, yeah. I would never have thought Ents would be as good as they are now. Great, amazing. Hence why you will see me give them a lot of praise for what they've been able to accomplish. So, like, the whole the whole way the scene has treated this Astralis thing is pathetic. And I get that part of it's probably a backlash to the people going too far the other way, being like, you know, fuck Astralis. Not. Like, yeah, that, yep, that, sure. they definitely got sucked into the whole Blast thing in a way that was, I think, regrettable. But they also were the worst defenders of the Blast thing. So if you add all that together, I do think it's been very, very hard for people to look at Astralis at ECS in isolation, as it were, and look at what, what team actually turned up. Don't think about the team three months earlier. Don't think about the context of Blast. Just look at who they are at that tournament. And if you looked at that team, mate, they aren't an elite team in Counter-Strike. Like, Listen, no, look, strategically, like, they still had a, a sense of what they were doing in the game. Yeah, they weren't totally terrible. They definitely weren't getting completely rocked all over the place. But they were, I'd say, like, what, 70% of the Astralis I remember, the really sick team that had that era, was the dominant force, you know. They, they weren't as good. And remember, it's not as though, like, in Counter-Strike, you can just lose a step and you'll still win. Like, if you lose a step now, I mean, look how active some of the teams at that tournament were. Obviously, the likes of Vitality and these teams have been working. So it's actually, to me, entirely appropriate that Astralis wouldn't win. I mean, look, we can we can talk about well, we will talk about Fury in a sec, and and uh, the credit they deserve uh, for their showing at, at, at this tournament. But let's just talk about the nature at which Astralis was knocked out of the tournament uh, by Furia, and that is, you know, look, a best of one, fine. But a best of one on your pocket pick that you have an outrageous record on, you should probably still feel comfortable on if you're Astralis. It's a 16-14, um, you know, first game in a tournament. You know, maybe maybe there is some, a way you can rationalize that. But then you have a best of three. Well, perfect, right? Now you get the chance to set the record straight. 
you know, beat these young whippersnappers, you know, show them that these upstarts, you know, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna be the way you think it is. And you know, so far it start it starts out, and you're like, okay, well, this is gonna be Astralis uh, turning the screw. You know, they've got a series that I think is very good for Astralis in the form of Inferno Mirage and Nuke. Nobody was back in fury, even with the previous upset, because it was so unthinkable. Cause, and you know, you I'm I'm watching Astralis. Like even on the maps, well, even on the map they won, even on Inferno, they didn't look like their usual selves. Their timings were off. Their trading was off. They gave <coughs> fury opportunities to get back into that. It basically came down to uh, clutch play. And the fact that they got the pistols, and in particular Magisk, you know, had some hugely impactful rounds. Um, and and Device, by the way, is the was realistically the only player that didn't look like he had a break. Wasn't that a mad telling sign, by the way? Because it, that's mm. one of the things that I will write when I write the Astralis story of that dominant era they have. One of the most impressive things about it is that, yes, even though, like, statistically, because actually I, I personally think during the Astralis era, like, everyone just got boosted statistically basically like if you just see the inflation across all the players including the igl it's like it's like if you actually watch the in-game footage you won't see the crazy amounts of frags you'd normally need to get those kind of numbers it's like it was within the context of the team but even in that context considering how dominant they were as a team in their era device wasn't even being called the best player in the world like that was actually a pretty kind of set deal that it was simple in fact even people towards the end of the year argued nico was better than device so yeah. it wasn't a team where they were like right well if the rest of us play great and our superstar carries us that's how we win the tournaments so the idea that when they get knocked out here i made the joke that like device was doing the fucking simple simulator he had the plus 33 in an yeah. elimination best of three loss like that isn't astralis guys like the whole thing about astralis is it's actually hard to know how good all of them are because they all play with each other and they had such an insanely good team across the board. So the idea that like they're struggling to even frag against Furia, yeah, that's a fucking big wake-up call. Well, I mean... And ties into the whole form angle. It makes you think a whole bunch of them yeah. didn't come in in kind of match fit form. Because by the way, I definitely believe they will have done practice and they'll have done the week scrims before and they'll have studied the demos. I bet they had all the same facilities at the refresh office. It's just yeah. that, as I mentioned in the past, this is why that concept of ring rust is a great concept to bring over from combat sports. The point is, you can have the best training camp in the world if you really didn't fight for a year and a half. Some of it's going to be off. Some of, you know, that feeling is not going to be the same when you're in there. You're not going to be as comfortable. There's all sorts of these, like, I mean, and I realize we're in the, in the, you know, the realm of the mind now. So it's very, very tricky to make concrete sure. statements. But it is a pattern that you can observe that I would say most veterans would put some credence to. Yeah, I mean, look, here's, here's what's worrying. You lose Nuke twice, so you've now got a, a streak where you've lost three times and you've lost to up-and-coming teams on that map in the form of Ents, in the form of Furia. You know, that was a pocket pick. That was something you always had in your locker that you could just trot out at any time because you'd mastered that. So that's problem number one, that your exemplary map pool now looks exploitable. Right? There's a big weakness there. Now they need to go away and decide what they want to do. Do you want to leave Nuke in there? You know, keep it keep it in mind that there are now demos out there that show you comprehensively how to beat this team. But, you know, with, with that sample size of three, do you want to leave that in there? Probably not, right? So now you need to start thinking about other things. Uh, you know, they're taking Vertigo out. They obviously haven't done a lot of work on that, don't really want to play it. So... Inarguably, they've gone backwards, right? But then, okay, 
here's the other fundamental problem you've got the mentality of this team because i agree with you i here's what i think happened i think about a week or two out of the tournament they all got together and they all said hey guys we're gonna fucking show all the haters at ecs look at these dog shit teams out of there that we're gonna be able to beat right look look at them all you know all at the lower end of the top 10 like this is ours this oh is by the way i guarantee i guarantee if they'd have won this event which wasn't impossible obviously, oh they'd have been insufferable they would have done some tweets that would at the very yeah. least have like fucked with people like us like of mm. course of course maybe even refresh would have done it like yeah i think there would have been some fucking backlash for sure oh yeah definitely because glaive's his... tweet even his jokey tweet about what tournaments they were going to play in the summer yeah. kind of tried to imply that as well yeah, like, it's you know, no it's time for the series to, you know it's almost like one of those yeah. sorts of things wasn't it yeah and, and and then you watch them play, right? You've got fucking Zipniks, Mr. Cool, Calm and Collected getting fucking upset. You've got people exactly. punching monitors. You've got people flipping the bird at the screen. I'm telling you, all of this bullshit has got to them. All of this bullshit has got on Astralis's heads because now sure. they've got into that terrible place that number one teams can get to sometimes. And that is, first of all, believing you have a divine right to win every tournament you attend. Guess yep. what, motherfuckers? Life ain't like that. Life ain't like that. Go talk to anybody. Go talk to fucking Mike Tyson before he got fucking laid out by Buster Douglas. Uh, you know, did a shit training About camp. About 17-0 Patriots. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. They, of course they were going to win the Super Bowl, Rich. They were the best team ever. Yeah. They probably were the best team ever. That's the maddest thing, right? That's the, that's probably the best example, right? Because I always tell people that. That Patriots team losing doesn't show they weren't the best team ever. It shows anyone can lose a best of one in the NFL. Yep. That's the yep. point. It's It actually reiterates the point that anyone can lose, and you're always mortal on some level. So this this was this was a type of astralis that we haven't seen before sure we've seen flashpoints in the past where people get upset if they miss shots or whatever this looked collectively like a team that was sort of mentally you know i don't want to say checked out but like okay a true champion when you're losing it's always in the back of your mind like okay this is how i can turn it around this is my in i'm gonna look for this this is what i need to do again keeping the combat sports analogy going right i lost those two rounds i gotta knock this motherfucker out exactly. or submit him now this round so how am i gonna get that he's leaving with the left maybe i can get an armbar you're always thinking about how you win right but what astralis were doing was and it was evident from their body language from their behavior they were thinking why are we losing now that is a fucking cancerous mentality for any uh, true, you know, champion, uh, you know, in any sport to have. Um, and the fact that it is spread to players that you typically don't see that type of behavior from, that is bad. I mean, and then you, you, you uh, sort of add it to the fact that the timings were off on smokes, flashes. You know, I saw a couple of times uh, when I was watching the games where, you know, they, they caught their own teammates with flashes where, where it used to be impeccable timing. Smokes yep. were just slightly off. There were just gaps and opportunities. Well, let me tell you, when you play a fucking team that is amped up as Furia, that when they get like a run around and they start to believe in themselves, they will absolutely like latch onto that right and and they will turn the fucking screw and these kids have got fucking aim and they don't know when they're beat and they'll try crazy shit well that is the nightmare for you if you're astralis especially with the where you're slightly they were tailor made for this upset weren't they oh absolutely it it was it was the convergence like everything we saw going in astralis playing furia well in the in in you know 
for even three months ago before all this blast bullshit. Estrella's play in Furia, that was going to be a painful lesson for the young Brazilians, my friends. And that's all it would have been. They would have lost about 16-6, 16-8, and they would have had to lick their wounds, and that would have been the end of it. But this was perfect. This was the perfect time to play Estrella's. Furia on the come up, getting lots of plaudits. Their style, people haven't even fully yep. disseminated it, fully comprehended. I guarantee Estrella's probably did like clo as close to zero prep work as they would do for a serious opponent in Fury. I don't think they'll have prepared specifically for them because they probably believed they would just overcome them. They and, and it showed. They didn't realize what they were getting themselves into here. And obviously, we were just talking on the last episode about Furia. Watch this. They are the best team in Brazil. They've proven that hands down right now. The way they play, that's what MIBR should be, right? But it isn't. And and Furia really have that title to me in, in my mind. That's the real MIBR right there. I don't really like Furia as a name. Um, I'm still living in the past where it's like luminosity, those washed up motherfuckers that seem to have lost all their fucking heart no matter how many times they keep throwing iterations of the same great players together. It's not working. Um, but anyway, just to wrap up the Astralis points, I, I think this is the start of a, a long period of, uh, in, you know, need, need you know, they, there needs to be a period of introspection. They need to look and be like, okay, been knocked off the number one spot, right? It, it, being number one for, for 18 months isn't the same as being number one for 12 months than being number one for six months after that. Do you want to recline? Do you want to get back to the summit? You know, do, do you want to go back to the peak? Probably not, right? I mean, you know, it, it's lost the allure a, a, a little bit the second time around. And now you would have to go for a whole 13 months afterwards to, to set a new record, the record you already hold. I think they need to look at themselves and, and, and honestly question, like, how much do they want to be, like, the number one team in the world again? And if they don't do that, I honestly think Astralis is going to be, like, this is the start where we, you know, second or third, fourth, you know, they get back to those semi-finals days. They get back to occasionally being banged out of a tournament and upset, occasionally winning one as well. But they will never be the truly great team they were because they've took their foot off the accelerator. And it shows. And it's embarrassing, frankly. Because it yeah, should never I, happen. I have real concerns about myself. I know everyone else is also going to do the other thing. Like, it's one tournament. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine, etc. It's like, yeah, but what are the context of the tournament? The tournament comes exactly when you'd expect them to have the worst form that they ever had as a lineup. Like, this is the part that I don't get, is... All that shit I had to hear for months about, but maybe Astralis doesn't care about uh, but playing all these tournaments. Maybe Astralis doesn't care about them once, but maybe Astralis just cares about the fact that one of their players is ill and uh, there was a terrible tragedy on one of their families. Like, all these a million, like, what-about-isms. Well, I'll tell you what, the team that I saw punching monitors, giving middle fingers to monitors, losing clutches that they win on the fucking regular, almost as a joke on the side, that team cared about losing. That team wasn't enjoying what was happening to them there. They didn't think, oh, it's a folks just ECS anyway. Remember, as long as we win the next major, we still have an era. They weren't thinking any of that shit. They looked like a team that was frustrated. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, I'll bet on some law level, they're also frustrated about, you know, the community backlash and people calling them Blastralis and the fact that people are making fun of them. Oh, 
they're fuming I, about that. They are I, I, fuming yeah, about Yeah, but here's that. the thing. I reckon that stuff only affected outside the game. Inside the game, I think that frustration was realising the level they're at in the game right now and that they have slipped. And that even worse, a team that, yeah, could end up being a really good one in a Furia, but is still just on the come up. Even they're dusting them off. Even they're giving them a hard game. And crucially, if you're Astralis as well, even if you think this is just one event and it'll all be great, and you know what? Maybe you do come back and win the next tournament. Maybe it's the kick up the arse you need. Or maybe you're still the number one team if you're not the most dominant team. First of all, like I've got to say, the second that aura gets cracked and it's cracked on Nuke already, mate, like you already see loads more teams yep. would play them on Nuke right now. Yep. And then you yep. see across the board, there's a lot of maps and a lot of circumstances that now teams are going to be looking and going, hey, this is a chance to beat Astralis, not, oh shit, we've drawn Astralis, that's fucked, you know, we could have gone topped it. No, now is the point in time, it happens to every champion, where people can't fucking wait to get in a game with you. You might still be better than them, but they now have a chance to win. Before, some of these teams, like, even if they said it to their teammates, deep down they knew you probably are going to beat them in that game. They're already thinking, like, no, I'm going to get a map, well, I'm going to yeah. play well, all the all the nonsense that you can make people think when you're a champion, that's gone. Like, that invincible aura, in my opinion, I, I, I have to say... I don't think it ever gets restored when you lose in the way that they have and have it, a few months it, off. You can probably count the number of instances that, that it's happened across all sports, probably on two hands. Um, it, you're right. You know, once once you go from being indomitable and you in that fear factor becomes a, a weapon that you use to continue to snowball wins and victories. Once you lose it, it, it incredibly hard to restore incredibly hard and especially in something like cs because it's such a tactical game the way you lose it's not about a lucky punch or you know you left your arm dangling for fucking an extra second longer than you would ordinarily it's not about any of those like you know opportunity it's a t you lose tactically it's death by a thousand cuts and it's recorded for everyone to see and there's people out there that will take that recording and be able to use it and go fuck there it is there's the spot in the armor where you can get the, the the sword through, so it is hard to restore. And I, I, I you know, they've got ESL, uh, the uh, Pro League Season Nine Finals coming up next week, right? Now this, this should be a cakewalk for them, right? If 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 Astralis do get back to being the number one team that they were, this th there are so many teams here that um, are in having bad times themselves, you know? MIBR's there, you know, there's like Cloud9 there, there's like FaZe with Neo there. Now these are scary names on paper, but we all know the reality. They're all going through their transitions, through their periods. Astralis should be able to bang out all of these teams and they should be on a collision course to play Team Liquid again. Well, that's how you reset everything. That's how you shut up the doubts. It's how you shut up me, shut up Duncan, shut up all other fans. But let me tell you, the Astralis I saw at ECS can't beat Team Liquid. Not no. even close. I don't think they would. Not even close. And I think they'll struggle against other teams because for all I'm saying, there are beatable teams that are going through transitions. Man alive are there some banana skins. Of they course. could end up they could end up playing Carrigan's mouse sports out there. You know, he he knows how to beat that team. He's done it before. He did it in phase, right? I'm telling you, there are banana skins everywhere. You're going to have NRG with Stanislaw, right? A new team, a new approach, you know? They're going to have that honeymoon period that a change of in-game leadership brings up. It, it, I'm telling you, if Astralis have a bad show in ESL, it is over. Yeah, Get I actually... fucking shovel out. I've just stuff. looked at the, the list of teams here. 
and yeah, you're absolutely right. Because the thing I forgot about this event, and it actually is just the circumstances of the placings of the recent tournaments. Well, obviously, for example, if we were making that, like, say we could create a tournament field for Australia to play now, so we could see, you know, how good are they? How good's everyone else? Right. Well, immediately you'd have ends there, obviously. Right. That goes around saying because they're very, very, well, they're not here because everyone knows they don't play in ESL Pro League. Vitality, what a fucking strong team they are at the moment. Well, they're not here either because. Guess what? They only got really good in the last like month and a half, the last two months. So yeah, actually, some of the big teams that right now are the power players and have had real good active form, they're not even at this tournament. So you're right. Aside from Team Liquid, if if Astralis are who they think they are and who their fans think they are, Team Liquid is the only team acceptable to even lose to here. And quite frankly, if you lose to Team Liquid, that already spells something different about the world we live in. So yeah. I agree. Like this actually. On the one hand, it is a pick-me-up. You're missing some of the top teams, but it's also going to be way worse if you don't win the event. Like, this is the event where if you get knocked out in the quarterfinals by some, I don't know, Mouse Sports, Fnatic, the teams you're listing, maybe even, like, the new North line, like, that's going to be a real, real wake-up call. And then we're, we're heading into some fucking fun times for ESL Clone of the Major. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, it's, it's you've only got a week. So you, you've been buddied at the ECS. You get two weeks to get your shit together, go to the ESL finals, right? Maybe they win that. Maybe they beat Team Liquid and write everything. But if they don't, if they lose to any team, even losing to Team Liquid, bad times. Bad times at Brasalis. That'll be two tournaments that they'll have underperformed at this supposed elite level that only they've set, right, in in their minds yep. and, uh, you know, across the last year. Then, as you rightly say, you've got one week to get your shit together again, and then it's ESL 1 Cologne. And let me tell you, if you are struggling at the EPS finals... You do not want to fucking show your face in Germany because guess who's going to be there waiting? It's going to be Na'Vi. New look Na'Vi. Had all this time to prep. You're going to go up against Simple. He'll be feeling pretty confident. He can body you all by himself now. You've got Furia again, right? <coughs> You've got Ents. You've got Vitality. The field is so hard compared to the tournaments that you are underperforming at right now. So I am telling you, if, if they do not perform well at EPS, it, it is done. It is over. Like, the Astralis era is, will be officially dead. And we're going to know in, like, seven days whether or not Astralis can ever get back to being, a number, you know, the, the team that they were. And remember, they, they're they in this position not because the entire scene, you know, rose up and the level got higher and everything else, right? Although I will say it's an exciting time for Counter-Strike with all the teams that sure. are emerging currently. They did it because their parent company wanted to have them play exclusively at dog shit tournaments what a fucking world what a way for the greatest counter-strike team of all time to lay down it, it, it it's disgusting yeah you, you know they're gonna look back when they're retired right and yeah you'll have money in the bank and you'll probably have your own fucking brand of peripherals some of you might even own your own teams one day who fucking knows you're gonna be big stars in denmark that's for sure you know every bar you walk into people will be buying you drinks but you're gonna know that you let a chance to fucking just extend that history beyond anything that could ever be beaten you let it slide because boss man fucking told you to do it what a fucking joke i'll give you really an analogy Imagine you were in a team, right? So I'll pick, I'll, I'll stick with the NFL example because the NFL is famously a sport in which it's incredibly difficult to win the championship because of how many players are in a team and the fact that you play best of one and weather condition. There's a million factors that could go into it. But if you were in an NFL team, right, and you won back-to-back -back Super Bowls, you were like top of the world, you're already a dynasty, historical. Imagine, right, 
that you're in a contract dispute with the team that you play for. And you know what? It's not even a big one. You just want a million dollars more. And you go, you know what? Fuck you. I'll sit out until you give me this million. And you know what? Like, for example, the Steelers did this last season. You're willing, exactly, the yeah. team is willing to say, you know what? If you're going to press us on this, we'll, we'll call you bluff. You can sit out a whole season, right? At the end, right? 10 years from now, and one of the reasons I also purposely picked the NFL is because, you know, you might only have a 10-year career in the NFL. You, you, you yeah. don't necessarily get Sometimes the 30 not years. even that. Yeah, no you don't in. get like a hockey career where you play until you're 40. So imagine years from then, right? When any million dollars you could have had would have been frittered away and spent on your lifestyle. Maybe 10 years from now, the average salary is so much that a million sounds like a joke. Imagine someone sitting down with you and they go... And of course, the 2019 season, what happened there? Do you ever, do you ever think about why you sat that one out? I don't care who you are. You're lying to yourself if you go, oh, it was totally worth sacrificing that, you know, potentially like a tenth of my career just to try and get a million dollars more. Whereas, you know, I did have a chance to go for three in a row or I could have seen if we could have done so. You know, at that point in time, the, the benefit of the money will be completely outweighed by what you gave up. And the sad thing about yeah, all totally. of this is, like, again, because plebs, unfortunately, do that thing where they judge teams that they like on the basis that, like, if I like this team, then I, that literally, if the team, I can't, I'm trying to how you describe it. Basically, if they don't like you, then that's why they criticize you. And if they like you, they don't criticize you, right? Whereas I try to be as fair as I can. And I'm, I'm, listen, I've put plenty of jokes out on social media that people who are friends of mine are like, what the fuck, why are you roasting me? It's like, because everyone has to get it, mate. That's the only way it could be fair. So I wish Astralis yeah. was sick now. You think I wouldn't like them to just turn back the clock and come to the next tournament, be fucking yeah. amazing and have an awesome storyline for the major. The problem is, it doesn't fucking matter what I want, as we clearly can see, they're in terrible shape. And so, yeah, it's certainly funny because they've done it to themselves. That's the part that has the dark humor connected with it, I'm afraid, guys. Like, if you're a Strauss and you really can't see what the humor is on the outside of this, you need to seriously reflect on where the fuck your life is going right now because this is hilarious, guys. I know it, it seems tragic, doesn't it? But you did it all to yourselves and you did it across the board. Like, the saddest thing about this is you only had to attend one of those tournaments. And you either could have kept your ranking, or you could have kept your era going, or even if you'd lost, you might even have just kept your form going and had to kick up the arse a month and a half ago. Now you would be winning in the summer. Like they, they've done it all of themselves. Crazy as well from a team that one time stood up to fucking TSM. Of course. Uh, yeah. And went independent to get away from, you know, the tyranny of Reggie, right? Like it, it's it, it's crazy to me. Uh, anyway, look, let's talk about Furia. Uh, Wow, what a what a fucking breath of fresh air this team is, dude! Like straight up, what a fucking shot in the arm for the whole. So mental if you team. think about twenty eighteen, isn't it? Twenty eighteen was the year rich where everyone was complaining, like, "Oh, where's the rising up teams?" Like the only team that really rose up last year was probably fucking NRG. I think that's about the only one you could even pick out that rose up. You know, even then they started fucking super hot online. So if anything, they already showed they had potential immediately. This year, not only if you had the ends, not just become good. Like, they, they legitimately might be the second-best team in Counter-Strike right now. Then you have Furio on top of it, who looks headed straight for a top-10 level. This is outrageous stuff. Oh, it's amazing. Well, look, yeah, yeah, this is what I mean when I said it's it's an exciting time for Counter-Strike, because we came out of, of 2018 uh, into what was probably one of the weaker top-10s, arguably the weakest top-10 sure. in terms of com competition. You know, once you got down to fourth or fifth, they weren't really contenders anymore, and you knew it. They weren't going to win tournaments. It was all about that cluster around Astralis and what could people do. But here all we are now. All that is this. 
everyone's hype coming into this year was, oh, maybe the new, maybe the old MIBR, which is the new MIBR, maybe they could yeah. beat Australia. Like, that was our hope. Like, we yeah, didn't know there was Vitality and N, some fucking Fury all yeah. on the way. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and this is what I mean. Look, let, let, let's go over it, right? You've got Fury just coming out of fucking nowhere, right? The, and and I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, when, like, a team gets good and things happen positively and then people try and rewrite history. So remember the Fury manager famously wouldn't let Serato leave and put that ridiculous exorbitant, um, sure. you know, buyout on him. Well, I saw a few people, like, tweeting at me um and, and on reddit too going well what a genius move by the manager he you know and it's like no he was still <laughs> denying a, a player a great opportunity yes the byproduct of that sh you know b being a piece of shit like that is that we've got this furia team but he wasn't stopping Serato from going because he believed furia would be here now in six months time not in his wildest dreams did he believe that or have a vision for it no what he was trying to do was get his fucking paper and let's never pretend otherwise so yes it's a nice little story that wow Serato could have been slumming it in fucking MIBR right now, and instead he's on one of the most exciting fucking teams in Counter-Strike. Um, but yes, it, it was still a bad move, and it still hurt that player's career. Just turns out, long-term, it's it's not going to mean anything, because, it well, certainly in terms of accolades, in terms of salary and money, still, right? Because all the success Fury are having, I guarantee their salaries are not commensurate with their performance. Oh, no way. No way. I bet they're still one of the most underpaid teams in this. And by business. the way, completely logically, because when you sign those yeah. contracts, as you're saying, they would not have been a top team. That's one of those areas that people always go, like, as you're saying, they always go backwards in time. Like, once the team accomplishes something, like, look at the salaries. It's like, yeah, the salary is when they sign the deal. Do you know how a job works? Like, yeah. it's not like I get a job just fucking editing scripts and then I hand one in that's fucking the next big movie. And I'm like, where's my millions? It's like, yeah, well, yeah, that wasn't what you signed up for, was it? But um, anyway, as I said, uh, their run through the tournament to make it to the finals uh, at ECS uh, was, um, you know, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, let's not pretend it was uh, completely imperious. This is a young team, a developing team, and, it, and, it, and what makes them exciting is that it's like watching a fucking fighter who's just a banger, you know what I mean? He just swings and swings and swings, and all of his fights are exciting, but sometimes he gets caught flush because he doesn't bother covering up, right? He just wants to knock his opponent out. Furia play Counter-Strike like that, which is why they had that super close game in that best of one with Astralis, which they won. Okay, it's a best of one. Then, you know, people forget in the narrative, you're not then supposed to go and lose to a clearly dysfunctional NRG. You're not then supposed to get 2 0 by them, but they did. And not only did they get 2 0 by them, they got they, they, they lost Nuke, which supposedly they're meant to be like the new kings of this map because they can dominate Astralis on it. But anyway, they're, they're then fighting for their tournament lives against Astralis. That's where the fury factor comes in. Because let me tell you, Astralis only gave them an inch to get back into those maps, in particular Nuke. But man alive, they fucking grabbed hold of it. And you could see how pumped they were and how they were just like, no fear. You know, they didn't give a fuck. They were, were going to play Counter-Strike their way. And they were going to meet Astralis head-to-head. We'll just out-aim you. You're giving us the opportunities. We're going to take them. We're good enough to do that. So they beat Astralis. Then, after that, right, you get fucking, you know, <laughs> the forgotten team of Denmark, right? By the way, 
it's got to be said, North have had something of a little mini resurgence under Valde's um, in-game leadership, honestly. How Valde... Valde must be like fucking Brainiac out of DC Comics or something. Because how has he turned Yugi into a good player again? How, like, who does... How, nobody could do that. Snappy was like, well, you were, you were good in heroic. Why are you shit now? Yugi's fucking turning up and body your motherfuckers. Anyway, Furia again, overtime. Squeaked past on overpass, right? By beating North. And then, you know, you think, well, you're in the finals, right? Like, it's your time to shine. Unfortunately, the reality is Furia are going to be susceptible to teams that can hold their discipline, not get flustered, not play them at their own game. That's the next stage in their evolution. But it's going to be so fucking good to watch this team develop. These are not fluke <coughs> results. These are too not many. fluke results. Exactly. These are not fluke results. These are not upsets. This is what this team is. Now, are Furia ever going to be the number one team in the world? Not for my money, no, no. I don't think they get there. In fact, they're fifth in the ranking now. I think that might be their peak. Maybe they go one more, sure. two more positions just because of fluctuations. Maybe missing events at key times. Maybe playing some other times. But what that that's mind blowing <coughs> for, for where they've come from and what they've achieved and and the the players with this tenure, unbelievable. It's going like I said, Fury are just one of the best teams to watch right now. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm just so I'm so happy that they made it to the final, but unfortunately they had to play against the French masters. So sure. um, every, every every game, every series, it's a lesson for this young team, and if they keep learning it, they're going to be very very good for a long time. I'd even contrast them with the rise of Ents, actually, because listen, Ents now have absolutely done enough and crafted a, a very healthy resume to show that they are as good as the team that made the final of the major. I would even go ahead and guess, crazy thought fans, they might have learned things since then and gotten better. Yep. In fact, you know, maybe they aren't just identically good since then. But anyway, I would say with Furia, they remind me of like the first couple of events that Ents had in that way, where they had the big pop-off and then they had the moments of like showing potential, still occasional weakness, but, you know, showing some big games. Because another thing that ties into the Ents story is, this is another team where I'm looking at the team. And I, listen, I know in everyone's brain, because of the way star power works, everyone's going to be like, oh, Kesarato, he should be in MIBR, so he must be fucking sick in this team. It's like, mate, I'm not even exaggerating. He's overrated in this team. Like, he's a good player. Yeah. He's nowhere near some sort of, like, fucking cold zero fur type. Oh, my God, he's one of the best in the whole world. No. The, the thing that I would contrast them with Ents is they've literally not only come up as a five-man unit, but there's also not even like one person hard carry all the time. It's, they don't have a Zwu on their team. They have, an, again, a squad with a really nice distribution of players. And they've even done that classic thing that Ents themselves managed to do, which you have, you have a player. Like, I agree. I've seen some games where that art guy looked shit. Like, I've seen some where he made some yeah. mad misplays. But you know what? It is somehow, when you have a team that it, your style works as effectively as this one does, just like the X the X7 example in Ents. Like, I wouldn't fuck with that right now. I would wait a few more tournaments if I even considered a move because that's like a team play that comes from well, all five, in my opinion. That means yeah, you have something figured out that that guy can yeah, do and contribute. It's a Voltron. It's a Voltron team. Like, Ents is a Voltron team. You know, they're not that special when you look at the fucking constituent parts, but when they fucking connect... Man alive, it's fucking crazy. Now, just to your point about art as well, saw he came in for a little bit of heat because, you know, statistically wasn't, uh, you know, doing 
doing great and had some rounds where, especially in the final, he, he was sort of like getting caught out and, and sure. basically Vitality were able to read him like a book. Now, what you have to understand is, and it was the point that Art made himself, because I saw more and him got into some uh, back and forth. And like what Art is trying to do with his play style, it, it, it's, it's about, like, like he says, trying to create that space, trying to be a nuisance on the map. And if he gets a pick, brilliant, but maybe he can force a rotation. Maybe he gets a pick and then, you know, it's always in the back of the, the, the opponent's minds. Well, where the fuck's he lurking now? Where's Art going to be? You know, like fucking Predator. He's, you know, he's in the trees. Like, you know, people are worried that Art's going to be lurking around. And it, what, it, what he does is it's like a weird sort of, sometimes he'll try and go and make an entry uh, uh, pick. Sometimes he'll just be hovering and lurking and trying to catch people on rotates with sound play. But basically, art is the guy that is just a fucking nuisance that is his job it is just to go and be a nuisance and art doesn't need to be a, a, a banger like yuri is or k serato is and fuck abel j by the way this tournament had some unreal impactful rounds unreal like clutches like what you know 1v2s 1v3s um well like so so i i agree i i think what art is doing it, it's one of those underappreciated jobs like when steko was just is statistically bad and people were going ah look how bad steak is well no it, it, it's a very specific role that clearly works within this tactical setup and i agree I, you do not want to fuck with this roster right now anybody like fantasizing about furia bringing in another brazilian player in <coughs> place of art to get to that next level you're missing the point of what makes this team great they are all on the same page. They are all working in tandem. How many teams can you honestly say that about right now in Counter-Strike? Like, I mean, not even Team Liquid has that luxury. So, yeah, super excited by where I think Fury are going to go over the next three months, and I hope that they get their plaudits. And as I said, um, the, the, the fitting story for me would be Immortals spending some of that big cash to fucking swoop in cut the fallen roster, pick these guys up, crown them as MIBR, and uh, that would be a great way to cap off 2019 for me because they're easily the best teams in, in, in Brazil. And I'll, I'll tell you this, the way MIBR are playing right now and the way some of these other Brazilian teams are playing on the come up, I think MIBR are going to be the third best team in Brazil by the end of this year. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll echo what you said earlier as well, which is like probably the most exciting thing about this team is the style of play they have as well. Like that's why they were the perfect team to take Astralis down because anyone else playing Astralis on Nuke is going to at least think two or three times in that game. Like, oh, fuck. Think of all the demos I've seen. Think of all the times they were in the spot. This team doesn't give a fuck. This team is so aggressive, but in a way that like... Yeah. I, like, here's the thing. I do kind of feel like the top teams, especially the strategical teams, will to some degree download it and have good counters to it. But I also think, like, like there's a level of confidence you have to have to make that style of play work. That means that to some degree, it'll always somewhat work, in my opinion. I don't think you can fully or hard 100% counter it because no one plays this way. No one does. Like, it's the whole reason I've always thought when he's in individual form, JW always will be able to do the, all the shit he does because no other player in all of Counter-Strike has the decision-making that JW does. So every other player you play trains you how not to play against JW. So even in your mind, you think to yourself, keep in mind, JW could be doing something. You can't. Like, you've been trained on your daily basis to play against normal 
normal players, not someone who tries some crazy move that shouldn't even work. And it, the fact that it shouldn't work seemingly is what draws him to trying it in the first place. So, yeah, I thought the style they had was so fresh, was so exciting. I definitely would. Listen, if it ends up getting figured out, that would be an interesting storyline itself. I could see a world in which, if as long as the individual form can be good enough, this will be effective. This will be this will make them a really nice upset team where you don't want to be the team that has the overlapping map pool and plays these motherfuckers to get out of a group. That is not yeah. the situation you want to be in. And then that's the other thing I'll throw in. If I think of the really big flukes, right? So we're not talking about Cloud9 the Major. They were still like the fourth best team in the world, you know. The really big flukes for me are like, you know, when Big won all those games on Inferno and then made the major playoffs. You know, you have teams, you know, that sort of thing where someone comes along, they have a one-off little run. Well, there's the other thing. You see some of the maps that this team's winning on. They're not just getting like one map over and over and over and over again. They're winning sometimes the opponent's map pick as well. Like, like again, it could all be a honeymoon period. Maybe individually they overperformed and they had the perfect run and everyone was super confident. But there's definitely something to this team. There's definitely some pieces that are going to go forward and be someone in Counter-Strike. And I would even guess as a core, if they can stay together, there's more to be seen from this squad, at the very least, in terms of great matches. Um, so let, let's talk about the, the team that they lost to in the final, Vitality. Another exciting team with lots of uh, pro points, you know, and, and have come such a fucking long way over the last three months. Um, it, it's crazy because, you know, look, I'm, I'm sure, again, you've probably had the fans going at you for tweeting about how, you know, oh, Vitality look terrible. They're just Team Zewu right now. Well, there's no getting away from that fact that that was what Vitality were. I mean, oh, they, what's you know, great is, Rich, this is literally an example of where all the evidence I could lay out actually says this is one of the times when I was overwhelmingly correct. But instead, yeah. to idiots, all that evidence shows that I'm wrong. So, for example, when all the things changed that I said were going wrong, like, for example, they had a, quite a poor in-game leader. He's called NBK. He now only calls on T-side of one map, Inferno, not even their best map by any stretch of the imagination. Instead, they have literally a, a, a half French, half English player who has no experience at tier one on LAN playing and being their in-game leader. Like anyone who thinks that that's the same scenario as the Vitality I tweeted about at Star Series is beyond disingenuous. They're just a cunt, quite frankly. Then you add in all the other elements of like, yeah, it was just the Zewu show. I saw Zewu have games where he was like simple-esque and they lost the fucking game. That made him even more simple-esque. So the idea that now he can, I've even seen games at this tournament. This is why I knew Vitality really changed. I've seen games where he was just all right and they won the game. Yeah. That's yeah. unthinkable for the team I was criticizing three months yeah. ago. And 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 I'll I'll say this: I've always had it in my mind because I've known Nathan for a long, long time. We're good friends. I've always had it in my mind that he could be an in-game leader. I recant that statement. I finally have got to. I don't know why, because to, to, to it me, is a mystery. Has, I agree. No, he has all the he has all the pieces exactly. Yeah. yeah, unbelievably intelligent, calm. Uh, you know, very good communicator, you know, fluent in, in English and obviously French. Um, you know, it, it should be... Even as all the personal qualities, charisma, yeah. leadership yeah. guy. Yeah. Like, it, in theory, this is a guy you'd follow in the war, of course. He has yeah. all the experience, brilliant teammate. Problem is, though, there is that it factor, isn't it? He doesn't have it. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know either. It reminds me of... Um, what was his name? Uh... Was it Villa Boas? Yeah, Andre Villa, Andre Villas Boas, the right, the 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 uh, manager that like he won trophies at, like Porto, 
And then he ended up going to Chelsea. And you were like, everyone was saying, oh, this is the next Mourinho. Right? Like, everyone was like, this guy's going to be fucking great. Like, what you know, what's going on in Portugal that they're producing all these great managers? Um, and, um, you know, Chelsea signed him up. He did one year at Chelsea. It was terrible. He, he couldn't win the dressing room. Tactically, they were off. But then Tottenham swooped in and went, well, that's just Chelsea. You all know what it's like with Abramovich and all that crazy shit over there. We'll fucking take him. And he did one year at Tottenham, and that was terrible. And you look at what Pochettino's done with, with Tottenham, you know, and all the some of those players that were coming up were, were around at that point, right? So crazy shit. Now he's just languishing at Marseille via way of fucking Zenith St. Petersburg and Shanghai. It blew my mind. It just... He should have been a great manager, but it just didn't fucking happen for him. And I think MBK... The, the, it's an analogy of like MBK is an in-game leader. Couldn't do it at G2. Don't know why. Had all the pieces. Didn't work out. That was the French super team, by the way. That was meant to be the great French team. The 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 climb back for, for French CS. Didn't work out. And now you probably have to look at it and say, well, actually, MBK's in-game leadership might have been a part of that. Um, and then Vitality looked awful. And Zewu was dragging them through games. And you were like, well, this team will never do anything. Since they have moved to Alex as in-game leader, it has just been day and night. They look tactically astute. Everyone's individual form is back. Zewu can have a fucking rest now and then, which is great, because you don't want to see this talent get burnt the fuck out. Exactly. Um, and, and, and again, who the fuck is this Alex guy? You know, where's he come from to be, to be capable of leading the most experienced players in the French scene and actually getting mileage out of them? Crazy fucking story how good they are. And they have a legit T-side. It's not like they just yeah. win 13-2 every CT-side or whatever. Now, now, now let, let, me, let me tell you, though, here's the, here's the fucking great thing about this. Because they're having lights-out T-sides because Apex is fucking back. Like, Apex has been looking so good, getting back to, you know, entry fragging, clutching, MBK solid, um, you know, with his trade frags and stuff. RPK is starting to look like the player that was capable of career best form again. Like, everything is going in the right way for Vitality. And crucially, that's now two tournaments they've won out of the last three that they've attended. That That is no fucking joke at all. Um, especially when you consider... That, you know, they've had to beat a, a rampant Furia to an ECS and, of course, beat Team Liquid as well. So this is a very fucking legit team and another one that's exciting to watch. And all of a sudden, we've gone from having a top five that, like, just wasn't... Re it was just all the, you know, motherfuckers that are washed up, clinging on to relevance just by virtue of there were no, like, young guns or up-and-coming teams trying to you know, take them down. Well, now we've got Team Liquid, a, a, a team that I think has like an average age of like 20 or 21 or something insane. Number yep. one team in the world. You've got Astralis now looking mortal. You've got Ents, just insane that a, a team from Finland can do that. You've got Vitality coming from nowhere. And now you've got Furia. And just behind that, you've got fucking F uh, Faze, whatever, fuck them. And, and then you've got NRG. 
right? Now, NRG with the leadership change, we'll talk about it in a little bit. That could be exciting again. So, and of course, this new look Navi, we finally got rid of Edward. This is a fucking great time. Like, thank God, because the only thing right now that fucking sucks is all this tournament bullshit with the yes. blast and all of that. We've actually got legit exciting teams again. New players, young players. By the way, along it's those a lines, time, like. there's another way, and it's a way I didn't even considered that Blast has also fucked the rest of the tournament scene. So I saw all the people downplaying, for example, Vitality and saying, well, you know, yeah, the placings are good. But then someone found some stat that, like, you know, Vitality had only played. They claimed, like, one top five team, which I don't even know if that can be correct. Because as you say, they played Team Liquid to beat them. They played fucking... Um, and so obviously, like, yep. I, don't, I, I feel like that is off. But anyway, let's imagine it was true. Well, the reason why that would be is fairly fucking obvious, isn't it? Is that everyone else is going to tournaments, which remember, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, someone correct me here. I believe HLTV includes a, a feature, which normally I think is a great feature, which is that your tournament placing, the, the amount of points available depends on who attends the tournament. So that as a result, you don't get a tournament that in theory, like I am Shanghai, for example, last year, where it had the prize money of a massive event, but it didn't have any of the top teams. So you don't want NRG to win that and get as many points as Astralis does for winning the most stacked tournament, right? Well, the problem there is that's what happens when Team Liquid, Na'Vi and Astralis collectively take half or 70% of the tournaments off is no one can get the wins off the other top five teams. So it's actually, by the way, I am, I'm spinning it the opposite way now. Under normal circumstances, you'd be right. If someone had been to all the same tournaments as everyone else and they haven't beaten many top five teams, probably means they got a nice run through the bracket or there was an upset mm. in the round before they played. That isn't the point right now. It's the other way around. Vitality ends... Team Liquid, no, no, you're all the legit teams. It's the teams that are in that top five who haven't played any fucking games for years. Like, Na'Vi's only played a Blast in a Star Series ages ago. Team Liquid, uh, not Team Liquid, uh, Astralis obviously played only Blasts. It's those teams that need to get their wins, because logically, why would their status be elevated yeah. when they aren't playing for it? Like, that is the equivalent of being a paper champion. And by the way, while we're talking about exciting and upcoming teams, I haven't even factored in Mouse Sports, who while oh, we were course. on this very fucking broadcast, it isn't they're back were, to being a sleeper basically because of all right? this. They, they were they were they were a map down, right? They lost Mirage to Optic, and they were five zero down on CT side Nuke on the second map, and they've come back and they've just won two one. Beating them 16-8 on Nuke and 16-4 <coughs> on Inferno. Carrigan working his fucking magic with another great exciting team. They'll be in the top 10 real fucking soon, by the way, guys. Well, that's Coming what's so exciting to, to top me. 10 near you. Think about how few of the teams we've just cited are those established hegemony from last year. It's none of them. Like, if anything, it is the Fierce Clans and the Narvies of the world who are looking shaky right now, and they have to redouble their efforts and get back to the top. Like, they don't automatically... Like, the, the best example of how whack the top 10 was was how, like, early this year, MIBR still was hanging around top five, and you're like, what have they even done? Where have they, I can't say... When are they doing anything? What, they just got an odd top four a tournament that wasn't that great or whatever? Like, they were just... They, it was like a... It was like once you even... If even the top five isn't that strong, you know the scene isn't great. Well, at the moment, yes, because of all the blast shit and because of people not all playing each other, it's hard to make a concrete top five or top ten. But I tell you what, 
since we know the next major is around like it's end of August to September, by that major comes, I reckon we're going to have an amazing top five because this is where people will have settled. Now we'll know if Furia can be that good. Now we'll know if Ensign Vitality are all like literally world beaters. And then at that point, if any of these other roster move teams get good, this is going to be a very competitive, but in a really oh, good way, top team. I I'm telling you, this, 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 there's so many like, interesting little rivalries and things going on with this top five as well that it could be like when the you know british middleweight boxing was just like the the place to fucking be like eclipsing heavyweight boxing because everybody could beat everyone else everyone had a rivalry with everyone else everybody fought everyone else no one ducked out because just think about it right like fury beat vitality in dallas right and to the point that vitality had said you know apex did an interview saying we want we prepared like super hard we wanted to wreck furia because of that shit also vitality are beating team liquid right now i don't think vitality could maybe beat up astralis it kind of feels that like that matchup wouldn't work right and then t team liquid as well well they're confident beating furia right and they've proven that they can do it against astralis but now they've got these other teams like heavy is the head that wears the crown this is like a wicked fucking top five like really exciting um, where you're not going to see one dominant team anymore. And then, of course, in all of that, you've got Ents. What a fucking rivalry Ents have with Team Liquid. For all the talk about Astralis and, and Team Liquid having a rivalry, you know, that's like from a bygone era now. You need to stop thinking about that period of time because I honestly do believe dominant Astralis is dead. Yeah, Team Liquid had a mental block when it came to them, but their rivalry against Ents is legit back and forth, super close maps. What a fucking wicked top five. What a wicked time for Counter-Strike. Like, really fucking... If you if you love the game and you love exciting close matches, you're going to be in for a fucking treat for the second half of this year. Uh, now, with all of that said, we've got to give some attention to some of the, the uh, bad points coming out of ECS. And uh, for me, I mean, MIPR, holy fucking shit. Um... I just don't I don't know what else I can say about this team. I don't know where it goes from here because, again, they were in a very similar position to Astralis. The difference is MIPR have been on the fucking road. They're out there. They're competing. They're, you know, this is meant to be the dream team lineup. This is meant to be all of the parts that they needed to be successful again. Well, what, they've, what they achieved here is is nothing short of fucking embarrassing they lost to north in in a in a overtime a best of one that it just seemed to me it was impossible to lose they were like third they were 12 three up at half time 12 three <coughs> up on ct side inferno that is job done and everybody in the chat was like going haha mibr back fuck you north yeah. all of this shit here's the thing y'all forgot though mibr it's the same players that couldn't play this fucking map it's the same players. What do you think is going to happen? What they're going to mysteriously not fuck up the same way. They always fuck up on this map. Their T sides are fucking ass. They need to get 12 CT rounds because their CT side on this map ain't all that either. And of course, the fucking disastrous duo of Phelps and Fur fucking strikes again on Inferno. And got to be said, Fallen was just a non-factor this entire fucking uh, tournament. No one's calling Fallen out because of who he is and what he's done. He's playing fucking really garbage. Really, he's playing I'm garbage. I'm so glad I invented that term because he's one of the people who fits it the most. CSGO royalty. You're just not allowed to speak out. Again. You know, you're not allowed to say the Emperor has no clothes on. 
In fact, you have to do the opposite. Mention how brilliant his claws are and how he should be given even more opportunities to wear his excellent clothes. Like, how does this guy never get called out? Think about, right? It's a year and a half now. He's been yeah. fucking ass for a year and a half. His teams have been ass. And on top of that, imagine this, right? Think of where this team used to be. Because I used to have, inc- by the way, for what he did at the time, I do obviously revere Fallen. But the fall in the last year and a half, what a fucking joke. Imagine telling someone, oh, they lose the best of three on land to complexity, right? You'd go, all right, what, Stanislaw outcalled him. No, no, Stanislaw wasn't even there, mate. They literally had fucking, like, I think, like, death or something. like a rookie in-game leader now or some shit. Look at the lineup that beat them in a best of three on land. Orbo, who, yes, turned out to look like he has some promise, but a brand-new player, a rookie, death, Completely, I, I consider him a never was low fragging player from the UK. Shazam, okay, some skill has accomplished very little in terms of big placings on land. Sick, another never was. And fucking Ricky, who was considered a scrappy player from a team Renegades that themselves aren't exactly the best team in the whole. But like, this is ridiculous. To, like, we're not talking about losing to the top teams now. This is a nobody team. And you're getting, yes. you're getting beaten in a full best of three series. And listen, you go look at his statistics online, right? Like, he's put in some shifts against the uh, likes of uh, Team Liquid, you know, w- w- when they're playing in all those NA teams and stuff. But, like, at LAN, he just doesn't look anything like his old self. Like, it is it is crazy. The shots he's missing, the positions he's putting himself in. And even then, sometimes online, you can see when it's just not going to be a good day for him. You know, he's... Uh, I remember watching one series. I can't remember when it was... Um, but uh, yeah, they played Renegades anyway, and it was, it was it was it was horrible to watch. The player isn't recognizable, so you have to start asking yourself, right? If the success of the Brazilian teams that Fallen has assembled was all predicated on two things happening: first of all, him being an absolute god tier in game leader and tactical mastermind, but also more crucially, being one of the best orpers, and in fact, I'll fucking say, it, just out and out sniper players in the world because he can pick up a scout and just get a three man with it, and no problem at any given time. But that, that just hasn't been the case for so long. He doesn't look like the same player. Like even in the games where he drops twenty, when was the last like memorable like you know hyped player where Fallen's impeccable movement? He'd shimmy up a fucking train, bang someone's head off with just perfect fucking aim correction, jump down, flick, get another kill, turn around on the guy who's flanking him, bang his head. When was the last time we saw that? We haven't seen that Fallen for fucking so long, and. You know, maybe maybe we never see him again. You know, he's 28. He's you know, this is about That's the time the now where you start to thing. find out. The yeah. most depressing thing is this: a player like Fallen, right? When he's at his peak, both individually and as a team, they never let anything slip. Like they're not going to let you talk shit to them. They're not going to be like. That, by the way, they're going to be cocky in the way they should be. As in, like you know what? Who, oh, you like Faze? You? We're going to beat Faze next time. You know, like. As soon as I saw that he actually started, because I don't think he was being too first in this sense, when he actually started himself, just basically admitting, like, yeah, I'm playing like shit right now. Actually, I don't really know what's going on with our team. We kind of lost our spirit and our identity. Like, I think that was all authentic. Like, I think I have a pretty good read on when Fallen's full of shit and when he's being a politician. And I don't think yeah. he was. I think he genuinely just decided, at this point that I'm at in my career, no point, you know, lying to people. Yeah, I'm not in good form. Yeah, I'm having problems working with the team. That's why we brought back the old players. See, if that'll work again because you know they tried everything they could with Stewie 2k and Tarek like the, the, this last year and a half has really kind of shaken I tell you what Fallen was another player who had an aura around him you just you just thought whoever he gets he'll make it work 
you know, if he and if this player doesn't work, then he'll get another player again. Work. And I will say that's another detail to add in is yeah, he obviously doesn't have the same free range to just pick anyone he wants, so he can't do the, the very quick shortcut fix. But for someone of his status, as we always called him, the godfather of Brazilian Counter Strike, I, I would have thought by now he would have figured it out. You know what? People would consider me one of his harshest critics. I'm shocked by how badly it's gone. This reminds me, and I'm going to invoke this name. This reminds me of what happened to Happy Mate. It was the same story with him. It started going badly for a while, but in your brain, you kept going, come on, man, it's Happy. And, you know, look at these players he's got. Look, he's still got Apex. He's still got MBK. They're going to figure it out. And if anyone isn't aware of how that story went, there's a reason why Happy isn't even in Vitality now. Like, it went so bad on all levels that eventually he's the one that had to be jettisoned for them to have a chance to come back to the top again. So I hope that's not the case with Fallen. And obviously, obviously the whole Fury thing, maybe even as an out there where he can one day go to a different team. But it isn't looking good at the moment. And I, I do think that the rot starts at the fucking head, as it were. Yeah, and, and like I say, you know, again, just day and night. You remember um, you remember the, how passionate they used to be? You remember how every game, no matter what They look what jaded it was, by their success to me. I yeah. really feel it. I, don't, I know Dude. it seems like an easy storyline because people want... Yeah. Like, listen, I'll also say, by the way, if you're from the UK, that's why we love the tabloids so much because then we get to watch the fucker that just got built up get torn down. And there is a... You know what? There is a little bit of, like, a perverse pleasure in that because you're just a pleb like all the rest of us. So you're thinking, well, he, he was just fucking lucky anyway. The problem with that is, though, in this scenario... It's like, who wants to see that happen in this way? Like, this is just depressing. Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you this as well. I can pinpoint where it really started to go fucking wrong. And people don't realize, right? First of all, there is, uh, you know, if you ever look at the history of Counter-Strike, uh, you'll start to believe in signs and portents. You'll become like a fucking astrologer type because I saw that thread the other day about like how Zewu was born on the day Counter-Strike was released. <laughs> Right, I literally born on that the is, day. That's pretty bold if it's true. I'm right. gonna look that up. Right, no, 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 it absolutely <laughs> is. Like, absolutely true. Born on the day Counter Strike was released. Like, he is the fucking chosen he is, one. He is that, that, Neil, basically. Yeah, yeah, he is Neil. Yeah, no, it is. Like, he is he is foretold. Like, what's going to happen is it's going to be like the fucking Dragonborn in Skyrim. Like, Simple's essence will pass into him and he'll become the greatest player of all time. But look, the other thing is, how many times are we going to see this? How many times are we going to fucking see a team turn its back on Counter-Strike and say, like, the major doesn't matter to us, or we're not going to these tournaments, or we're going to take a prolonged hiatus, and then they never get back. That is the point. It all goes fucking wrong. Because you remember, Simple was the guy who winning... A major it doesn't really matter to me. We're not interested in the major. We're going to win tournaments after that with this lineup with ball. Oh, fallen, you mean? And yeah, you said fallen. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, my bad. I've got simple on the brain. Who hasn't, right? But yeah, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna go and fucking. WSG um, or whatever, yeah, yeah. 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 We're going to go to WSG, we're going to make this money, all of this shit's more pot. Well, you've, dude, winning a fucking I-series right now would probably be beyond you. So shut the fuck up. All these teams, they think it's going to last forever. It doesn't. You fucking mad cunts. Like, you're turning your back on tier one events, like majors, all this stuff. What you, right, while when you do that, Trust me, it is downhill from there. Counter-Strike does not fucking forget, and it will fuck you up. Counter-Strike is mental. I, I can't, I've lost track of how many teams that this has happened to. Fnatic, you know, this is like teams that famously are like, yeah, we, we've got it in the bag. We're just going to be dominant. We don't need to worry about it. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll win another tournament again. No, Counter-Strike is not that game. Maybe there are games you can do that in, but this isn't one of them. And I, and, and I, I honestly think that, 
that showed such a change in Fallen's mentality. You know, the success had clearly got to them. And this is a team of not just veteran players, not just experienced players, some of the greatest players to ever have touched this game, some of the most decorated players, to ever, and they play garbage. They can't even close out a 12-3 map against North. Like, at this point, what are you going to do? Like I, I, like I say, I, I can't, there's, not, there's not even a solution. Because what would have happened in the olden days is that Furia team, Fallen would have gone out. That would have been their last tournament. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, Fallen would have gone out, got those young players, and he would have brought them in to the room, and, and it would have been all yellow for fucking Phelps and Fur and all these other guys who were letting him down. He'd, he'd take them out, he'd have a lovely day, you know, chase some cats, you know what I mean? Like, eat some bones, and then, bang, shotgun. That's it. That's how it would have gone down. And he would have brought in the young guns because he's done it twice before to make great teams. He doesn't give... It's like, I don't know. It's like his passion's gone. It, it, it just... They're just going to keep limping along. Hey, look, we're sponsored by Tinder, waving to the cameras, waving to the fans. Always going to be legends because you can never take away legendary status. Sure. But you're not you're not going to see MIPR win a fucking tournament for a long, oh, long there, time. Oh, there's one thing that needs to be said as well is I always say the role of in-game leader is, first of all, such a broad role. As you see, obviously, coaches are now taking some of the slack off your analysts. You hope other people in the team take some part. So already in-game leader was an overstressed role. But the idea that in-game leader used to basically also play the role of fucking general manager on the side with his own career at hand as well is mad. But I tell you what, Fallen was the best of them. Except oh, I, the only yeah. two I can think of is I think Fallen and Carrigan might be the best I've seen at like knowing what player to pick, knowing what player to keep. But the thing is, that isn't all there is to being a leader. So here's the thing. Maybe Fallen really is the guy where if you give him the right team, he'll lead him and make him a champion. But I tell you what, the fact that his specialty was cutting someone ruthlessly as quick as possible and getting exactly the right player in, that's a great skill set to have. But as I said, he doesn't have access to that right now. That is essentially like, like the kryptonite's in the room if he was the Superman of that. He can't do that right now. So unfortunately, where he's being exposed is every other part of being a leader. Where you know what? You take a guy like Phelps who hasn't fit into the team and you find a way to make him work in some way, even if it isn't the way that he would have imagined. You find a player like Fur who looks like he's in a slump and you find a way to bring him back into the game to inspire him. That's the problem. There's certain aspects that we've never had to see from Fallen, as far as I can tell, because he could make those quick cuts, which at the time were totally justified. And actually that's one part I've always respected about his game. But now what you're seeing is other aspects of being a leader. Some of them are a strong suit, or maybe he himself isn't in the right mental place to be that guy for those players that he could be. And so I have to say, I think even he looks burned out. And that's probably the most worrying part, because if I want to start over again, of course, I want him and Cold Zero, right? That's the basis of my team. But right now, I have to say, I think Cold Zero might be the only player in that team that I actually don't put a lot of this on. Like, I still feel like he's a sick player. I still feel like he's got a lot of his game. Yeah. It's just that this isn't a world where Cold Zero is the best player in the world, mate. I mean, man, you know, again, because of Faze being. Because of Faze being the fucking joke that they are, and all their money's all tied up in all sorts of bullshit, um, you know, and they're bringing like fucking Neo in. Uh, to, to to the team, there there is there, there is a world we have been denied where called that could have been called zero. Could have been. I know, could have been. I could have called been called zero out out of MIBR finally. You know what? Even let them just let Nico and called zero go. Listen, to you cunts, just do the in-game leading between the two. You find some shit yeah. you can both agree upon and shut the fuck up. And they've got yeah, five everyone's head off. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Here's the thing. I think again, like Nico's one of those, like you know, he's such a fucking alpha guy that it probably does respect culture. He probably takes some shit from him. Oh, he wanted to play with him. I guarantee when they that walk into a room and he throws that Fears jersey to him, they just do that shit out of fucking predator, that like bro fist handshake like that. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Of course, Straight flexing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so. MIBR in bad shape. I do want to just say a little bit about complexity and then we'll break down the news and we'll get the fuck out of here. But um, I thought complexity, um, you know, as a roster, uh, like very surprised about the whole Stan thing. Um, seemed to me to be a very strange decision on the surface, especially without a sort of replacement. They then bring in this young kid who, by the way, Obo has been a favorite of Vax Sucks for a while. Um, just a classic gauntlet every talented young player has to go through. And I'm talking about ones that have real identities and talk on microphones and don't have people fucking do calling for them and don't have fucking associations with known cheat coders and stuff like that. I'm talking about just legit talented kids like Zewu had to go through it and Obo's had to go through it. This kid's 15. And again, what a what a legit talent that this fucking kid actually is. Um, um, and what a find. Because the two things that went right for complexity this event, well, actually, there, there was three things. I think, first of all, we'll just get this out the way as an aside. Shazam continues to be an underrated player in the NA scene. People don't really give him the props. I understand why. He's done cuntish things in the past. He's been associated with a lot of drama. Sometimes it can be... Um, hard to sort of give credit to people that have done things that you may deem to be eminently dislikable. And on top of that, of course, let's not forget, he did play a part in the I buy power ban, which Certainly. a lot of fans haven't forgiven him for. In fact, some people always make the argument, but if he knew about it and placed a bet, he should be banned for life too, as if that's the same as actually throwing a match, by the way. Should um, probably be punished though. <laughs> sure, agreed. Uh, spo spoiler, at that time, pro players were betting on games left, right and centre. Right, and, yeah. and there were there, there's there's people be right the at the time. To be yeah, fair, exactly, exactly. Um, so Shazam continues to be underrated. Had some great rounds, I think. Continues to be a very solid player in this complexity lineup. As unpopular as unfashionable as it might be to say. Now, Death, right? You've got to give this kid some fucking uh, plaudits too, because he's been put into the in-game leader role. Had to completely change the way he plays, and man, it did show in some maps. It looked bad. There were times when he was really struggling to get going but that's just the discipline that's how hard it is and we, we get to a place where actually moving into the second half of 2019 we're going to have two UK in-game leaders at decent sized teams obviously Alex over at Vitality and now Death at, at Complexity so I think that's a step in the right direction he's shown he's got the chops for it um, and then obviously Obo just showing he's got he, he got real potential to be like another Sergey, another young kid that can come out and just frag out of control and get you through games. Now they weren't able to beat Vitality, and and the reality is with complexity, they're never going to be able to um, with, with this current lineup because sick um i thought it was a good pickup i i think he's one of those players who's been like really underrated again in the na scene and he's had a lot of he zigged when he should have zagged sometimes in his career yeah, yeah exactly exactly i mean and, and and like we know you sometimes you don't get those opportunities back he could have been playing on a cloud nine if it had gone one way and now he's playing on a complexity because it went the other but the reality is it 
the system that he's in is not doing anything for him. He, he, he doesn't look like the prospect that he was back in the TSM days and, and, and all of that stuff. Hasn't quite clicked. A man alive. Ricky, make it fucking stop, guys. Like, this is, it's getting fucking stupid now. I have, right, what is the point of this player? Like, this is, it's, it's this is brutal, right? Because I'm sure he's a fucking nice guy. Oh, he but is, but doesn't right? excuse me and shit in the game. But, yeah, no, but listen, <laughs> Rick, I am not talking about Ricardo Mulholland, the man. I am talking about Ricky, the dog shit player, who for a long period of time seemed to think in his mind he was Guardian and would set up these impossible pixel gap, you know, aims and try and go for exuberant flicks. He would never land <laughs> one of the most frustrating, inconsistent orpers to watch playing, right? Then, you know, when he picks up the rifle, fucking hell. It's it, it's like watching fucking, um, you know, JDM uh, um, in, in a lot of it. It's just, it's mad. It's mad how this player just has a, such a limited skill set. And then, of course, summed up by... I mean, look, I'm like Mr. fucking Magoo. Like, in a couple of years, I'm going to look like fucking Junior out the Sopranos with my fucking specs, probably. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? But but it is the fucking reality. Even I, without my specs on, could have seen a cunt right in front of me on fucking Mirage, boosted up outside of the window. Like, how do you not even fucking see that? And it put them in this fucking weird position of, um, you know, Warden, legendary complexity player, you know, now the coach, having to fucking literally point at his screen and say he's on your screen like first of all okay where else would you be looking you might not be looking to where he is you might have tunnel vision you do check your radar periodically by the way that was he's showing good. on the yeah. fucking radar that was is the thing even though that's absolutely out of order that warden did that and that definitely oh, should not be allowed you should actually be punished even yeah. so the circumstances of that just as a human, you can relate, right? The idea, like, when would there ever be a scenario where your player's just looking and you're realizing, wait a minute, he hasn't, he, he can't see that guy there. There's a guy there. There's a guy there. Is, there, is no one going to tell him? You're looking around. Is no one going to tell him? There's a guy there. It's like, yeah, well, just as a human, eventually react, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> like, we've all seen a fucking movie. People are shouting at cinema screens. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's what he's doing. I'm sure that boy just lost his mind because he didn't know if he was in a fucking fever dream or something. He thought he was going to wake up and someone would be like, you've got 108 degrees fever there, Warden. What's going on? Oh, sorry. I thought I was watching my player just be blind as fuck and not in. No, but do you want to know the mad thing? Like, Warden literally said, right, that the people were calling to him, you saw one on your radar. And that was, and he still couldn't see the cunt. So that was why Warden felt compelled to point. Like, like, seriously, here's the thing. If you've got a degenerative eye condition, that's sad. Counter-Strike's not going to be your thing. So that's one excuse. And I'll apologize and say, oh, we Or if you're me, and it's one of those nights where, you know, you decide to chill out in Amsterdam, yeah. the city that you yeah. live in. You're playing and that's what I'm saying. Someone that's drops the saying. bomb, and you're looking on the radar. Where is it? This is going to get embarrassing. People are watching. Yeah. Someone's dead. They're all... Oh, where was it, guys? Was it near this truck? Shit. <laughs> You know, you're trying no, to see. It, exactly. If you're absolutely fucking bong-eyed, fucking stoned out your mind, <laughs> then maybe it's and a fucking excuse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, just things just aren't in sync. In which case, what are you doing that for at a fucking tournament? What are you doing that for at a fucking tournament? So, I, I there's, I, like, 
People are going to go, oh, it could have happened to anyone. It's always Ricky. Whenever something garbage is happening in fucking complexity, it's always Ricky in the clip. Like, it is mental. Like, you know, like, what was that What was that player? Fucking Shara. You know, the one who just got, so, it was so bad. He was in Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. He just got fucking swallowed up by that stage. And we just never saw him again. And I'm not even sad. I'm not even sad. He was shit. He was fucking shit. Right? I'm not even sad. I hope he's having a nice life now, but fuck me. I hated watching Just that. get away from Counter-Strike, though. Get the fuck away from Counter-Strike. <laughs> stay out of my thing. Do, uh, no, I'm exactly wishing a nice that. life in that, but stay the fuck out of my thing. Right? Well, Ricky's like that. It's time for fucking Drag Me to Hell 3. Get him out. How has he even been allowed in complexity? I just don't understand it. I don't. Come on, Jason, man. The complexity, I love you. They sent me a fucking... I got, like... They sent me a care package. I got a hoodie. I got T-shirts. I got a cap. I got uh, love from Complexity up there. You probably can't see it. I love Complexity. I love Jason. I know him for fucking. You get this guy out your team. He's fucking terrible. Make it stop. Yeah, I think it's out my system now. There's people in the chat saying Shara still plays. Not in my world, friend. No, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah. The other thing is as well. No, by the way, no, no, no. This is the thing that always tilts me because you know what? I've seen this in every game now. So in League of Legends, right? A game that I follow quite heavily because obviously it's a very popular game. A lot of people in the American community follow the internet and media, etc. Right? In their game, a game that actually has, by the way, like, you know, like a sub top scene that has people who get paid salaries and live in team houses and play. And in theory, are training to be top pros. They are always saying the same thing, Richard. Like, it goes like this. Right, well, aside from these few examples that we're going to call outliers, there is no talent in the NA scene. And what they do is they say that every year, even when a player comes up, they're like, right, well, okay, so he was there, you're right. Uh, sure, I could have found him, but I didn't. But now that he's out and starting now, there's no talent left. It's like, no, there'll always be talent. Like, there will always be talent. The question is, are you looking for it? And more importantly, have you given it a chance to blossom? Like, the whole point is, Obo is 15 years old. Like, I think, you know, Naf and them are like, what? Like, they're like 19 now. You know, it's, yeah. it's, last time I remember was like about 17 or 18. Like, these players also take time. So the weirdest thing isn't just that they all look down on everyone below them in the hierarchy and go, they're all shit and all worse than me. But bizarrely, they're not even keeping track of the newer people. Because that's the point. People like these oboe guy. That's exactly why in American sports, they scout you as young as possible. Because they know one day you're going to have to pay a fee to get that guy if he's on another squad. So in the NA scene, let's just quit this whole bullshit. Like there isn't enough talent. Because first of all, have a look right now at fucking Team Liquid and NRG. That's all fresh talent. That isn't people yeah. who were on fucking I buy Power and Cloud9 back in the day. Yeah. Like these, but in fact, actually that generation, the fucking players that were on the Optic team, etc. If anything, they're the ones struggling at the moment. They're the ones trying to get back to the top again and revitalize their careers. So I hope the Oboe thing, whether or not he turns out to be a top player or not, he's clearly a prospect. Let's not have like some sort of mad gatekeeping of that level of player. Because when they're really, listen, if that's a young player, they haven't had a chance to play, they haven't even had a chance to be nasty to you, they haven't fucked with you, they haven't messed you around in a team. Don't be biased against those guys just because, yes, I understand for the rest of the tier two talent, it is like being locked in some fucking prison setting where most of you never will make it. So you're all assholes to each other. Yeah, honestly, the, the amount of young talent that's starting to come through NA and Counter-Strike is, is unreal. And I think pretty soon, if it if it keeps heading the way it's heading, and you know, we're going to get back to that position where we oh, can of have course. like... Mate, two, in a world where NA Team Liquid right. is the best team and NRG is as good as they are, and you have yeah. all these other squads that have salaried positions, this could be like the prime for NA. They could fucking have a mega lineup for the next few years.
Yeah, because, I mean, just think about it, right? Like, you know, you've got Twist, Dewey, uh, Naf come through, obviously Automatic. Like, uh, people have forgot about him because he's yep. at that fucking Cloud9 team. It's not that Rush is a fucking old man or anything. Rush was one of the best all-rounders in NA like a year ago. Uh, just playing in a bad team and had a bad slump in form, needs to be revitalized, probably needs a new in-game leader. you got Breezy, you got fucking Ethan. Now you got this Obo kid coming. Like, it's a wicked time to be in NA. Uh, Counter-Strike fan, and, and, and as I said, I think um, if Complexity, like, just cut out fucking Mr. Magoo and, um, you know, maybe, maybe Sick, you know, under death can get back to it. I'll give him a little bit more time, but Ricky's got to go, like, 100%. Like, you've got to get him out your team. I don't even know why he's there. He's 27. He's not getting any better. Like, just, you got to start being brutal. I know it's rough, It's but it, success it only comes if you're willing to make difficult decisions. Oh, by the yeah. way, in, in in light of what the move we're going to talk about later, I tell you what, what if I'm Jason Lake, I'd be on the fucking phone to Daps right now. This is exactly the sort of team Daps could actually fucking make something mm. of. You know, mm. young player, players who are looking for a reinvented role, someone yep. like Shazam who has talent but hasn't been used properly and has been in some bad teams. So this, he's exactly the sort of guy. And now, listen, I realise he might not be in the right headspace to be like, right, well, straight back to fixing up the old team. <laughs> you know, he might not yeah. want to go from that world again. Like, but, no, I, know, get, I get it. But you, yeah, it's, it's a really spot. good shout. It's the timing, right? It's a really good shout. And I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this. What a fucking great story that would bring um to na as well if daps was able to do something with complexity you know sure death gonna be an in-game leader i'm sure he doesn't really want to he's never done it in his career never said anything about it having to do it to make um uh, you know ends meet and you know if daps comes in there and they cut ricky right like yeah all right complexity and nrg rival rivalry on you know you've swapped in-game leaders you will both have each other's playbook ostensibly that could be a really cool rivalry couldn't it so um, definitely excited to to see what's going to happen in NA as well for the second half of this year. Um, with that said, we may as well talk about that, I think. Uh, we'll go into the news. Uh, obviously, it was announced today. got to say as well, <coughs> NRG, NRG handled their business here. Because I don't Imagine. think this leaked. I don't think this leaked. The Did first I saw was just Daps in his like, twit longer or whatever. That was it. I didn't yeah. see anything like that. Yeah. I didn't see it. I mean, I saw DK actually himself said that as far as he knows, the whole deal was put together in like a 48-hour span. So I would assume he himself didn't get a chance to corroborate it and leak mm. it. Because guess what, guys? Crazy concept for you idiots who don't understand journalism. Me, Richard, DK, and others will die with thousands of stories that we could have published yeah. from one source or one and a half sources that was like, ah, that half is way too fucking shady. I'm just going to say no on this one and play it safe. And then either someone else scoops you or it just comes out anyway. Like the idea that every piece of info he's getting, he's just putting out there. No, there's plenty of other shit cunts on Twitter do that. Yeah. Oh, and look, just actually, I just remembered a point I wanted to make because I want this on the record because as you rightly say, one day we'll be dead and all that will be left will just be YouTube videos which have all been banned <laughs> and can only be seen by a handful of elite people. So I want this on the record. Um, what Warden did uh, was was really, really bad. And right, your tournament admins need to get off their fucking phone, Right. Because I've seen this happen at too many events now. Let me tell you, if you are a tournament admin, you are like the umpire. You are like the referee of the sport. You know, when I see an NFL fucking... Oh, I'll just check what's going on <coughs> on Twitter and uh, swipe left on her and right on her. Like, if I see that in the middle of a fucking game, you know what I mean? you got to be dialed in. You can't just be sat there playing on your phone. That should have been picked up on and they should have been penalized. But the schadenfreude of it happening to a fallen team. 
and it potentially costing them a map. Chef's kiss all the way, motherfucker. Because that guy has broken rules that admin should have penalized him for multiple times. So sometimes, you know, they have this saying in, in, in football, they always go, ah, oh, these decisions level out over the course of a season. One, absolute bullshit. Two, why would they? There's no cosmic force controlling the At universe. All. But sometimes, sometimes, karma is real. So it happening to Fallen now at a tournament that just talks that fucking pressure just ramps it up because things are going so bad in MIPR perfect in my mind go fuck yourself complaining about it go fuck yourself there you go I just want that on the record right anyway Stanislaw joining NRG um, you made a good tweet about this why is it because didn't Tarek <laughs> so didn't Tarek join a team before with daps in it I seem to remember yeah, it was the Optic team. And, and then, then, you know you replaced him was, with? Yeah. Stanislaw. Stanislaw. <laughs> and also, I will just say this. I told you, when, when FNS, who actually was obviously the old in-game leader of Tarek, joined Cloud9, mm. it, it was communicated to me that Tarek was one of the people who wasn't a fan of how he played, and that's why he was quickly... He did the fucking Grandpa Simpson out the fucking door after, like, two events. That's the point. <laughs> Tarek, that's... Here's the thing. I'll give him credit. Because here's the thing, he's a very, very charismatic guy as a person, so everyone likes him. I don't know that oh, many people yeah, don't yeah. get along with him. But I tell you what, he's either, I can't even say unlucky because it's working out in his fucking favour half the time, but the coincidental nature of how many of these sort of like mid-tier in-game leaders quickly get the boot when he comes in is ridiculous at this point in time. And I would go ahead and suggest, I made it very coy on Twitter, but I would go ahead and suggest he is the one behind this. It might not always be only him, but I get the feeling that he's a guy who makes that move. Now, to be fair, in line with what I said about Fallen earlier, you could say that's, that could actually be a positive. Maybe he's a guy who he assesses these guys and he's like, you know what? They can only get to this level. I want to be at the absolute top level. Sorry, I have to make the hard cart. Thanks for what you did. But, you know, Stanislaw in this case is the guy that's going to take me to the promised land, as he did in Optic. Fair play. It worked out that time. But it is a trend that, like, you can't really deny at this point in time. It's like those exist vetoes one. Did he veto everyone? Maybe not. But the fucking amount of them that followed him around was mental. No, but I'll, I'll tell you, because um, I don't think you were on the No Majors Club when Tarek came on. I think it was like me. Oh, did you ask him about this? Yeah, well, I think it was like Tarek, me, Scoot. I can't remember who else. Like, come on, then, tell me what he said, because I do trust Tarek not to have the wherewithal to be able to lie about this success. No, well, so. it was interesting. <laughs> if I remember rightly, and I'd, I'd need to go back and watch the video, but I, I was like, he said if he came on, he's like, oh, don't fucking, don't wreck me with, like, difficult questions and all that. But people in the chat wanted to know, like, what happened with Daps. And I think he said just something like um, that it was like, oh, he just, it, you know, he didn't like some of the style that he was that he was trying to make happen. And he didn't, like, share his, like, vision sure. tactically and, and all of that stuff. And I said at that time, I was going, because, you know, I think this is what brought it up. I was saying in my fantasy land, you would replace Fugly and go to NRG. So yeah, that, that wasn't a done deal. Yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. On the, and obviously it just so happened that I got, I got my wish. Like of all the Counter-Strike, of, of, any, of any wish, like of all the wishes to grab me, you know, eternal life, no, like infinite amounts like, of could, money. Could Kenny S and Shox be good at the same time? Yeah. No. no. Like what about, could this team win? No. no. Like we will grant you now your one wish and it is... Yeah, Harry it's that oh, ugly. Like, Why is that my wish? Why not? Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so anyway, and you've used up your wishes for a lifetime. Goodbye. But 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 I think what uh, what brought it up 
was like talking about that move and then it was like somebody in the chat said yeah but he didn't he kick daps out of optics so i like brought it up right and it was just like you know like he, he sort of took ownership he, he he said he was a big driving factor in the decision process so why 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 on earth would he not do it again you know That's i think he sense. said so I, I think he said something at the end that oh i'm sure daps has come a long way and all of this stuff maybe maybe they'd already had preliminary talks by that stage and he felt he needed a caveat but it sort of just left it there so i honestly think when he when he joined the team it was. It was. It was putting a timer on Daps and and Tarek. They're two players for whatever reason don't have the same philosophy, don't have the same vision, um, and I don't think Daps has done a lot wrong at NRG, but there are little moments where it suddenly becomes very easy to justify removing him, like that whole thing where he went and was an analyst and didn't play in a qualifier. Sure, and he had that was pretty stupid. It. Yeah, you know, you 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 can't say he had a perfect tenure as an in-game leader and obviously there's been two times now where i think we've said about nrg great team love watching them amazing players but they have sort of stagnated a little bit and, and they're not and he fucked up any, both yeah. majors on different levels yeah. one at the yeah. minor one at the major yeah. Yeah. no here's the thing i definitely think you could build a case for it i even get by the way in line with what you said about Tarek, why Tarek would probably want the move because Stanislaw, first of all, he's a good fragger for an in-game leader. So you can think, right, he can take care of himself. Then you go and look at the style that Stanislaw wants to play. He wants to play a little bit more of a loose game where people have a bit... If you're Tarek, yeah. that's music to your ears. Whereas Daps really is the guy where it's more along the lines of like, here's the plan of what we're going to do. And maybe on this particular map and this particular half and this particular round, you don't have a sexy job. You just watch a corner while the rest of us run around another corner and you tell us if you see anything. Like, that's a shit job for certain types of players. So if you look at the teams Tarek's been at his best in, the Optic team, the Cloud9 team, they were definitely a lot more individually focused. Mm. Definitely, by the way, I didn't say they look like more fun to play and if you like that style of play. I can get all that. And I would even add, by the way, I agree. NRG, both lineups did stagnate and they stagnated around a similar level. So if you want to gamble to upgrade, it's not a bad shout. The problem is it is a gamble. That's the point I think a lot of people are missing because sure. this isn't a player-for-player player swap. This is in-game leader swap. Listen, when you swap yeah. an in-game leader, as everyone saw with some of the other teams out there, now for all you know, maybe some of the other players don't play as well. Like You can have that knock-on effect. Maybe the whole team's... Like, for example, maybe there's a world in which... Because think about one of the reasons I thought NRG worked in the last lineup is because all those players aren't big ego players. They're not going to be talking mm. shit to Daps. They're just going to do what he says. And they've never been anywhere without Daps. As far as they're yep. concerned, he's the fucking Pied Piper. The difference is Tarek has been above and beyond where Daps has been already many times in his career, so it doesn't have the same cashier to him. So I would say I would look at the other players. Like I, I think Tarek's going to love playing with Stanislaw. That move makes sense to me. I want to know what happens to Cirque when the game isn't completely constructed around him. What happens to someone like Breezy sure. when he doesn't have these positions that maybe that you were being told to take that might be boring, but maybe that's what he loves to do. Well, let me let me tell you why I like. Not this everyone's Stewie Two K. You can't turn everyone loose, you know. And 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 I I really like Daps, right? Like a hundred percent. Like I think this is again one of those brutal cuts. This is this is you know I'm sure he's going to feel really hurt and really betrayed. This is one of those ones that's going to sting because he hasn't done a lot wrong. He's done a few little bits and pieces, and they've been very successful. <clears throat> and I know from talking to Daps. He scouted some of these players. He was one of the guys that was big on Cirque coming into the team. 
Uh, when, when I interviewed Andy Miller for the Deserto series that I do, he was telling me Daps ran that team like it was a self-contained unit, you know. It, it, they, they would, like, call them up. and I believe he know, was even the one who scouted Mixwell back in the day. It was, he was yeah, the one absolutely. who said we got to get this guy. Daps don't fuck around. Daps deserves some credit uh, for discovering some of this talent. But anyway, obviously, here's why I like the move, right? Because Stanislaw, man, again, what we could have had, all these, like, parallel dimensions. The Stanislaw era of Team Liquid, had there not been that power play by Stanislaw, if he just hadn't been jacked up on his own hubris, where he literally basically said, right, it's Zeus or me. And uh, in Elysian, all the guys went, yeah, I don't think you understand. Like, we love that fucking guy. And uh, he's been around, and you're new. And I got a fucking ego as big as a fucking house anyway. So it's you. Peace. And that was it. Stan flexed and got fucked. Got Had his in-game leadership. Not, not an uncommon pattern in his career. Think about the Optic no, team, where he exactly. could have been playing with Cajun and Config. He fucked that up as well. Yeah, That's my problem. I always tell people this. Like, I'll give you a great example. I remember, I think it was Double Tap did this feature where they asked me to react and what they'd do is they'd hold up a picture of a player and you just say the first thought that comes in your mind. And when they held up Stanislaw's picture, I just said, good example of an in-game leader who seems to be good in the game and terrible outside of the game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, right? But 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 here's the thing. Imagine getting yourself somehow, despite that, despite the optic fuck-up, despite the Team Liquid fuck-up, despite your reputation being a, that of a snake, which I think is unjust, honestly. I don't think he's That part's too harsh, I will say. Yeah, it, it's way too harsh. He just wanted to do what was right for and him. And he just fucked up some of his own team. politics, you yeah, know. He didn't exactly. do it in a tactful he's, way. Sorry, yeah, yeah he, he, he was Ned Stark, basically. He thought, you know, this is the right thing to do. I'll do it. And he got his head chopped off twice. Learn that fucking lesson, you know? But anyway, here's why I like it. Because you, you give him this lifeline into what is ostensibly a budget Team Liquid. Talented, young players, but with none of the eagles, right? You actually will sure. get to, to live out the in-game leadership fantasy here, right? And I'm a pet? Come on, man. That ain't like the Zeus and Liquid relationship. He's going to be... I'm Stanislaus. a pushover, more like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's going to be Stanislaus' bitch. He's going to be preparing him fucking demos, handing them on a silver platter. And Stan is finally going to get to do what he wanted to do in Team Liquid with players that, honestly, if we're talking about skill ceiling, aren't that far behind in the form this of... This is a really good lineup in terms of talent. Yeah, this is this is a great move for NRG. This can be the start of something special because I know Stan has got the the hunger to to be successful, to prove to Optic fans, fuck you, my way was better. To prove to Team Liquid <coughs> fans, fuck you, my way was better. And this is the one team in NA he could have had the pieces to do it. And, and and look, it's a shame that everywhere he goes, there's like this trail of destruction. He always leaves on bad terms with the fans, but this is where he can actually start building a legacy commensurate to what a talented IGL this guy is. NRG is the right place at the right time for him, and honestly, a change in leadership is probably what this team needed, because they looked fucking ordinary at the last few events they came out. Couple of good wins here, couple of good performances there, but, but never having that stamina, that longevity to get through tournaments stan can give him that so i'm excited i think this is a great fucking move 100%. this is the last chance saloon though like if if he fucks, oh, he's not, this, if he fucks this up if he, if he fucks this up with some demented politics 
Like, if he goes to, like, Andy Miller tomorrow, right, well, we, we just won a best of three series, so I want a new contract or something like that. I don't know what I don't know what it is with Stan. I never thought it was money. I always thought it was success. I always thought it was control. I thought those were the two motivators. He wants to be in charge, so the success is 70% his credit or, and the failure, you know, by extension. Well, that was also That's another angle, if you remember, was mm -hmm. another thing that was alluded to in some of these teams was the idea that he's also the in-game leader where he didn't want to work with a coach. Yeah. Just yeah. What, much like the Fallens and some of the other teams, that, the guys out there, they want to be the old school in-game leader who controls yeah. every aspect. Whereas in the modern day, unless you're winning everything, you're already going to need the staff around you anyway because the org sees that as a way to, like, you know, like load balance all the stress and the responsibilities, etc. I, 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 I did hear a, a little thing, obviously, because, you know, I, I get a lot of the NA info. You know, I, I live out here and I talk to a lot of the uh, players, you know, when they have downtime because we're just, we're just awake at similar times. So, you know, I'll ping them on Steam or Discord or whatever. Um, and uh, one of the things that I did hear, and we can talk about it now because it's so far gone, it, it, statute of limitations has passed on it. But um, I did hear that, like, one of the things that Stan didn't like was that, you know, whenever there was um, tough times in games or even outside of games, like in practice sessions, the players weren't looking to him, like, for advice. They were talking to Zeus. And it just he just felt undermined. All right. All right. Now, I don't know if that's true. But that's what I got told that basically was like, listen, you know, I'm the guy. I got solutions to the problems. Why is no one asking me about that? I have no idea if that's accurate or not, but a couple of players communicated that to me that, you know, not that it, not that it was like a jealousy thing. No, no. Like he just wanted to be the leader. Sure. Like on day one, he, I don't think he realizes that that's just the title till you do something on the server, till you go through a tournament run, till you win something. It's like, you know... You go to a fucking team and you come in, I'm the new captain, guys. But you've replaced the guy who's been at the fucking club for 15 years who's still there. Obviously, they looked at him in the locker room. And if you're smart, you utilize that. Of course. But obviously, not a lot of people are smart. They want to be in charge. So that's just one of those things that you're going to see, um, you know, in, 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 in a sport like this with, like, young people with big egos and, and big drives. But I, I, I think... If Stan hasn't learned anything from his last two outings at major teams in NA, then obviously history is doomed to repeat it. But I think they get a much more worldwide Stanislaw NRG. Yeah, and as key, I said, the, key the right for player me, is not to fuck him. With this one, is the only big ego is Tarek. And Tarek is the one who's brought this guy back from the dead. So you would think in theory, they should be the players with the least beef with each other. They're both trying to get back to the top again. Obviously, Tarek's had his own circuitous route through Cloud9 and MIBR. And now he's in the NRG squad where he hopes he can get to the top again. So mm. I would agree. The others, there's no real reason they should be against him or resentful or whatever. But that's an area, that story alone just shows exactly what I'm talking about. Like the disconnect in Stanislaw's mind of sort of like, but why don't they just automatically respect me? I am the leader. It's like, no, mate, you earn respect. Like, yeah. if I'm in battle, it's not the fact that that guy has, like, a fucking, the right stripes on his on his jacket that'll make me believe he's going to win the war. It's the way he talks, the way he holds himself, the way I saw him in battle perform under pressure and be composed, et cetera. Those are the qualities that, like, because I have to say it, the reason why I was really quick to pick up on that angle that like Stanislaw just had this like weird, like almost anti-charisma is because it's literally what was one of the biggest limiting factors of Lopez's career when he was an active player. And I was a friend yeah. of his was That's he was someone analogy, where yeah. he even had the same exact um, 
same exact characteristics. So, for example, one thing people might not know about Lopez was he also was someone who actually, for an in-game leader, was a pretty decent fragger. So, first of all, he had that in his mind as a way to, like, prop his own ego up, which is like, right, well, I'm not, like, just the in-game leader, and so you can blame me if the game goes bad. Listen, I'm contributing as well. So, as a result, you know what? You guys better contribute as well. No one can get have slack in this team. Then, secondly, there's the other angle, which is that, Lopez also had the issue that he he didn't even think part of being a leader was like inspiring people, like helping a guy out when he's having a hard time, you know, giving the word of inspiration. So, no, he thought his job was like, well, I'm the leader, right? So to him, leader equals tactician, which means I prepare the game, prepare the demo, I run the scrims, I turn up, I call the strats. Did the game end? Did it go badly? Well, did you do what I told you to do? No, should have done what I told you to do then. Like to him, it was almost like if you didn't perform, it's almost like he's looking at his boss, like, well, you're going to tell this guy to sort of shout. It's like, well, that's kind of your job, actually, mate. Like, no, no, it isn't. I don't have to play the game for him as well. And I would have so many arguments where I'd tell him, like, this guy over here, why'd you let him get away with murder? Ah, oh, well, you know, he does get in the frags in the game. He does do his job. No, you got to, he's fucking up the team. What about this other guy? Yeah, he's playing shit, isn't he? No, how are you going to fix that? Well, probably should have to remove him when he plays badly. And it's like, that's the thing. Because they themselves are so hardline in that way, and they're so almost like, they are almost like robotic in a way. They don't they don't seem to have like an emotion chip and like dates got in those last seasons of the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> but as a result, what they do is right, the bigger problem is they never recognize themselves that there's room to grow. They just take a hard line with it. So for example, if you say like I don't really like your style, they're like, cool, get out. And it's like that you're never going to win friends with that attitude. Like you're basically going to have to step into a perfect team or a team where everyone has your mentality or a team where either everyone's good, but they don't need help. You know, like it's going to take so many like perfect intersections of some Venn diagram before you get the right team. Or you're going to have some problems because that's an area I do think in the modern day, especially with all the travel, with all the fucking stress, you've got to have some of those people skills, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, as I said, I think I think this is the right uh, group of players around him. That it, it seems friction and clashes look a lot less likely. But honestly, like it's like you say, if if you fuck up here, your your you know your next stop is a United. You know what I mean, or teams of that caliber. You, this is this is. You've already seen your last it. Chance to be the cloud nines of the world weren't looking at this guy when they lost their no. players. No, no. Like that's what I mean. Tarek has really. They've got Golden in a fucking iron long over Stanislaw. It's True. mental. Like you know, fucking tapping out Rush P with a fucking straw on his head. It's mental. Like there's obviously something not right. Of course. It's it's wild. Like Stan would should be the top pick. He should be one of the most coveted and sought after in-game leaders in NA. He's not though. So that tells you something. And everywhere he goes, there's always a change, isn't there? Rambo, a complexity went right. You know, and uh, they, now they've got Warden over there. I don't know, man. It it is it is strange. And he needs he needs he needs to not fuck it up this time. Because this is an exciting project. This can be a great team. This can be that second NA team we're talking about going into the top three, maybe even. Like, just, you know, a period of dominance for NA that's unthinkable in Counter-Strike. It's on him. So, hopefully... <laughs> also, by the way, just as a quick aside, he also, this is how you know he's not socially aligned. 
because he also has just zigged and zagged so many times. So, for example, when he left Optic, that's when he should have made the big, like, very authentic statement where he genuinely told the fans, like, you know, listen, I know the team looked great, but actually there was problems you couldn't see internally. And, you know, maybe this person, I don't know, disrespected me or didn't practice or whatever it might be, right? If he did give a full account for himself then, he wouldn't have had many of the other problems he had. His problem was he stayed so silent on the Optic move, so silent on the Team Liquid move, and then he thought, Right, this this other optic move hasn't gone well. Time to write the truth. And then obviously he so misplayed his hand on that one that it's like of all the times that you decided to come out with it, you fucked it up again, haven't you? You've done it. Maybe check this, run it by someone. You know what? Hit I'm not even your mate, but hit me up. I'll give you some pointers. I'll tell you what to remove. (laughs) The worst thing is, right? And again, I'll talk about this. You do fucking owe me, by the way, Stan. Because there were two times I was getting Stan to come on the Richard Lewis show and just do like an interview and stuff back when we used to have guests on, you know. We still occasionally do. We don't just talk about the news. Um, And uh, one time, I think it was literally while all the optic stuff was going on, and he said like, "Ah, I can't really tell you why, but it's just a bad time. And then obviously all the optic shit went down. He went to Team Liquid, right? With all that fucking snakey slow nonsense. And he was like, I think if I come on a show and I just talk about it and i'm you know if i'm honest people might say don't worry about it mate you go have a good time in team liquid get settled and then come on the show then and then of course he was in team liquid for like a month or something mental before shit started to go wrong and i was like are oh, you coming on that show then stan he went ah, fuck. <laughs> no, i'm gonna write this bit longer instead yeah i can't right now it's like fuck's sake and then i think i asked him a third time just before he joined complex and he was like i'm about to join a team it's not a good time Fucking hell, at what point are you going to realize that maybe if you can't, if you're worried about doing like interviews and stuff in public, like you might have a PR problem. You might, you know, you might want to get that filter. You might want to be a little bit clever about what you say. And you are going to come on my fucking show, by the way. You haven't avoided it. Just telling you, you fucking owe me big time, son. No one dodges Richard three times, mate. That's mental. Not Richard anyway. three times. Yeah, not Ricky three times. Here's another fucking uh, bit of news that we should probably talk about. It's just funny. I just liked it. It's not really news. Um, but obviously, uh, you saw like Daps doing his uh, tweet about, you know, being benched, right? <laughs> by the way, by the way, that alone reveals so much about this. Oh, he doesn't realize. Like, yeah. this guy, listen. I, get ready for a timestamp. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Sam, I, press the button. I, I know the I know the phrase "cocked" is thrown around a lot in this community and modern political climate, but man alive, it's like this guy's just been told by his wife, like I'm getting a divorce, oh, by the way, and I am marrying your best friend. And he's literally tucking the kids in, explaining to them why their new dad's going to be brilliant. And now he'll still be there on weekends. Like, what are you doing? These guys are literally fucking all that you worked for. They're just pissing across everything. They're literally deleting, like, where it wrote, created by Daps, and just writing, like, Tarek was here over it. He's only been here, like, two months. And you're, and you're just stood back going, this is all fine. Do you, yeah. do you want to help? Do you want a hand there, Tarek? Do you want a new pen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I'm like, not sure that's a permanent that's... razor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarek's just there cutting out the Daps photo, like, on the wedding <laughs> stuff. I'm in there now. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, now, Daps, listen to this. This is how a real man does it. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely been cooked a little bit. <laughs> and and just, <laughs> just saying... Just saying, um, 
Oh, by the I'm, way, you know, I, I, I actually did and this tweet. And it's a strange place. Oh, of course. Never. I had this tweet, right, where I actually had said the same thing. When NRG first got good online, I made the same thing a year ago. I did a tweet where I said, right, I will, something like, when you know, when does Stanislaw take over for Daps? Exactly the scenario. But the reason I said it wasn't really that I thought it would happen. It's because that's the other thing. If you ever get to know Daps on any kind of a personal level, just look, go look at interviews with him. His problem yeah. is he is a very, very reasonable person, but he goes too far with it. That's the issue. Like, he's the difference is, like, he really does believe this shit. He's not lying, by the way. He really probably agrees that, yeah, you're right. Probably couldn't have taken him any further, could I? Nah, that's all I can really do. It's like, I actually feel bad for people like that because there's so many people in this world with delusional self-confidence. This is a guy who doesn't have enough confidence. Like, I don't think he himself even looks back and realizes. You are aware, mate. You literally built the cause of three of the better NA sides we've had. The squad that eventually became Team Liquid, the squad that became Optic, and the squad that now has become the fucking NRG squad. You did that. You know, there's no one else in the history of NACS goals done anything like that. Even Sean Gares. You know what? Sean Gares was playing with fucking Twist and Sick and Shazam and a bunch of players that have talent. He didn't take them to the level that NRG just went to. Like, Daps has actually done some really impressive stuff. But sadly, he is just too even-keeled. And the one moment where you'd want him to have a little bit of ego and get his back up a little bit and maybe that'd fire him up, he doesn't have that gear in him, unfortunately, mate. He's just, he's just missing that He's gear. too nice. He's too nice. I've always said, like, because how he looks with the big ginger beard and that. He just reminds me of one of them Amish people. They're just so Amish, chill. yeah. Yeah. All they do is they just fucking, like, oh, well, we're going to build a yeah. barn today. And all he's good and, for you know, is, just, yeah. is just fucking witnessing crimes. <laughs> yeah, well, well, uh, you don't want to go out there in that exciting... Yeah, great movie. Still an 80s reference now. I feel like we're regretting Bit of a tired reference it was, yeah. I can't lie. <laughs> you know, it's like, he just reminds me of that. He just doesn't ever seem to get angry, you know, and just, um, oh, well, we had a lovely barn racing today. So I know I even got the pipe for it. You know, he's just one of those guys. Like, But anyway, that isn't what I wanted to talk about. Although it's, you know, um, it, it, it was interesting. <laughs> and now I can't even stop thinking of him just in that fucking hat. Oh, God be good. Oh, the crops yeah. are filled. But uh, yeah. my wife is strong and my, my children are alive. That's all I'll have for. The good Lord will provide. As long as you um, don't have any of that electricity yeah. stuff. <laughs> now I'm just off to build up a new team. Have yeah. a part amazing. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, it was just the fact that fucking smoothie. Oh, God. What I know of, of all the moments, me. right? When you're at the absolute lowest, imagine, right? You're just in the bar. Oh God, what have I done in my life? So you just rocks up next to you. All right, pal, how are you doing? I don't add this life on the bench, isn't it? What's this stuff yeah, got doing? Yeah, I know. Like, nah, you know, you and me. You know, we could have been. We could, tell you what, I could have bloody been someone. Mean. <laughs> uh, another, another yeah, two dogs, please. Massive fucking teeth on him. You want that cheese? You know what I mean? It's mental. Um, but yeah, so Smoothie just tweeted saying... Um, right? Tell you what, I was completely innocent in marketing as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the way he goes. Like, welcome to the world of being benched. You won't be here for long. And then Dap says, yeah, it's strange, but I do feel a kind of freedom with it. Obviously, he's a philosophical Amish guy. I know. And then, and, and, and then, and then Smoothie follows it up with going, you won't feel that way after five months. Be careful how long you sign to the bench for angry emoji face right listen right can we can we just right first of all oh inject this straight to my brain like it's so good like because i remember we, we do this podcast called by the numbers where we talked about what an absurd decision it was because he didn't get benched oh. 
he benched himself. It was petulant. He quit a team. Yeah, and right, and for those who don't know, in the scene, do you know why he did it? Just before the major, because we're all scratching our heads, going, why would you deprive yourself a chance to play the major? Why would you do it? Big, we're a good team. you got all these fans chanting your fucking name at 3 a.m. in fucking hotel lobbies. You're doing good. Go to the major, play well, then leave the team. That's the game plan. Yeah. He was so fucking determined to fuck over his own teammates because he believed that them considering that they should replace him or maybe not have him as an opera and have Tabson take that responsibility. He was so furious about that. He waited until just before the major when it would fuck them the most and then benched himself and basically refused to play. Basically, the poor opposite of what Daps did. Daps literally just fell on... He didn't even fall on his own, so he willingly fell on Tarek's sword, and then as he was sliding down, goes, it's fun of us. Right. (laughs) So anybody who doesn't know that, right, that is what Smuya did. It's 100% what he did. Everybody knows it in the scene. So you're talking to a guy who's literally just woke up today and got, oh, well, (laughs) turns out Tarek's fucked me again. Brilliant. Happy about that. Right? Easy come, easy go. Yeah, easy come, easy go. Well, then I won't ever be seeing the kids again. No problem. Well, you know, I liked them, but... I know. Ah, uh, yep. Maybe you are a better father than me. Thing is, that I'll stands a hell of a guy. Yeah, just yeah. a hell of a guy. <laughs> I know, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just living that life. And then just to fucking make it worse, you got Smoothie coming in and go, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of martyrs in a way. I mean, like, fuck off, it's nothing. There's nothing like you, you fucking selfish cunt. But I do love the fact that after, it, like, it's been five months. I can't believe it's been that long. I know. You were on to- he was on top of the world. He was playing in a top 10 team, about to go to a major. He was the best performing player in that top 10 team. He had legitimately proven himself that he was an elite level player. And then he walked away from it. And now he's been subbing in for renegades who have no intention of keeping you because gratis is coming back. And you are now deemed a toxic asset. Everybody in the scene knows what you did. Nobody wants a piece of that, by the way. Oh, we get to a major with Smoothie, right? How do I know that if we say, actually, uh, we want you to rifle for this tournament, you ain't going to pull the same shit. There's too much money at stake, you mad cunt. So it is brilliant. The number one sin, I would say in any industry, as far as I can tell, is to be someone who causes drama in the workplace. Like, forget anything else. Oh, you could yeah. be a guy who doesn't turn up on time or shit. The number one sin is to be the disruptive person. And that's the problem. Someone like Smoothie wasn't just fucking up his own career. He's fucking up other people's careers. And guess what? Those stories spread to everyone. That's the oh, story yeah. everyone's going to... Because guess what? When you fuck your teammates like that, they're not just telling their mate. They're telling everyone who can fucking hear. Because what do you think happens? Everyone comes up to the major. Where's Smoothie? Why is he needed team? You think they're going to go, well, he has just fucked me properly in the arse before the World Championship. But I'll keep his secret. No, why are they going to do that? They're going to tell everyone. Well, no, but this, this so is... So misplayed your hand on that. You no, so misplayed your hand. This, this also, you, you could have made yourself look good, as Richard says. Like, just play well, then leave. Yeah. Yeah, you could have even made yourself the martyr if you so, wanted. Yeah, exactly. All you have to do. But this is the madness, right? Like, remember when, like, two episodes ago, whenever it was, we got asked the question, who's fucked up their career the most, right? There was two names on that list. Oh, obviously. And one of them was fucking KNG. Do you know how fucking mental that is? Do you know how mental that is to be the number two fuck up after KNG? No one wants on the KNG list. It's mental. What he did... 
to be that good, that talented, to be that sought after, to be playing in, you know, for an org like the size of a hundred thieves, he could have been fucking just printing money and you fuck it all up. It is insane. It is insane. And then next on the list, Smooya. Next on the list, Smooya. So no one has anything in common with you, Owen, because you've got something wrong with your brain. You have something wrong with you to even look at the world in these terms. Like, you, there is nobody that could have looked at the situation you were in <coughs> and gone. The best, kit, the best way to play this scenario is for me to leave right now to spite my teammates. Nobody would have done that. Nobody would have done that, dude. And I've been trying to tell you for ages. But, you know, I got you blocked on Twitter because it's just fucking sad to see you like this. I don't like blocking pros. You're probably the only pro I got blocked. But it was like when I tried to reach out to you at Cologne and said, well done, mate. Look, no, we've had our differences. Because you've created a fantasy. Again, you're fucked in the head. You've created a fantasy in your mind that I said you cheated. I didn't. I said, like I said, the story that got published about you having a Vacband account on a separate website, it was nothing to do with me. We got sent the same shit and I didn't run it. How's that saying there's a video of you you know, I'm going to make a video proving that you have a Vacman account. It's not the same. There isn't a tweet that says this. You imagined it because you have a persecution complex, my friend. And you got to fucking get out of your head. You got to, like, if you're ever, like, you're still 19. There's plenty of time you... to turn this around. Plenty yeah. of time. In fact, take lessons from the KNG example. That yeah. guy's fucked up that many times. We're still potentially going to give him another chance. So sort your shit out now. And in a year, everything will be brilliant. You're not, you're still 19. But let's just assess what's happened. You walked away from a top 10 team. You've been, nobody wants a piece of you for five months. You ended up playing in fucking denial for a bit. I mean, Jesus Christ. Been what a bad one that is. Yeah. Because the right, Epsilon been, team as well. And you snaked both your teams. Yeah. And then, right, you had that nonsensical fucking flare up with refresh. That was so unnecessary with the timing as well. Yeah. Telling it, what was it? You told him to fucking kill himself. <laughs> Something like that. Brilliant. Yeah, great optics there, mate. Right? Really well done. And 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 and, and incredibly, you still had enough of a fan base that people were going, yeah, but Refresh had a bad game, so it's perfectly reasonable that uh, one of his fellow pros and colleagues tells him to kill himself. You know, this young developing player, it's perfectly reasonable. Right? You've handled everything wrong because you've got something, it's not quite aligned upstairs but you can fix all that i think there's another element as well to add though is like and here's the thing i'm not normally the person who says this to players if players want to live their own life do whatever the fuck they want i don't even usually fucking telltale on the players who are fucking partying all the time i only tell yeah. the ones that are publicly known so i'll let a lot of shit slide oh, tell you what is. i'm gonna give one piece of advice to smoothie and it's this Sort your fucking circle out, mate, because you also have one of the biggest train wreck circles of stupid people to associate yep. in esports. Like those people are the ones blowing it up in your mind that when someone makes a comment, they're out to get you and there's a massive thing. They're they're feeding all the wrong parts of your ego. A real friend would have told you the shit we're saying now. Be like, listen, mate, you're talented. Why are you wasting your career like this? Yeah, you're young. Get over it, you know. Spend a few months reflecting on what happened. Maybe find a way to authentically apologize to the right people and the right team so that then they stop spreading certain stories about you. Start to build it all back up. And then you know what? Then your talent will kick in, put you over the top. You'll be a pro player again. It'll all be fixed. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy. Like, um, and again, like, 
one thing that you should learn to do is with, with someone you've had like an argument with or beef with, if it's just some trivial throwaway shit and they extend a hand, like don't slap it away. No, no, that's it, a criminal offence. It, it's so stupid. Like people have to do something pretty bad. Like I've said it, like all some of my best friends in esports started out in that exact place where we beefed on fucking Twitter or we had a disagreement about something. And then we just realized that like, okay, we were coming from opposite ends of that situation. But the fact that we didn't back down, held our fucking corner, that's something to be respected. And if you're going to do the same and I'm going to do the same and we are fundamentally the same, just again, on opposite ends of one particular topic, we've got a lot more in common than we have differences. I'd much rather have an argument with somebody because they felt passionately about their corner as yeah. I did mine. There's more respect there than somebody who just folds and goes, nah, I suppose you're right, actually, Rich, and then gives me a fucking limp-wristed fucking, you know, moist handshake and says, yeah, you're always right. I can't respect you. I can't respect that. Have a bit, you know, have a bit of fire in your fucking belly. So I'm all right with that. But straight up, like, trying to compare yourself to Daps' situation. It's mad that no one wants to touch you right now. Here's the thing. <laughs> the way FaZe is going, he could have been playing in that. So many missed opportunities for this kid. So he needs to get his fucking box fixed. Or is one of the most promising UK careers we've ever had in Counter-Strike is gone and done. And you can sit around feeling sorry for yourself and go, ah, oh, look what my teammates did to me. Uh, the, 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 the proof of the pudding is this. Despite that you did it out of spite, despite the fact you did it at the worst time, your teammates were actually just relieved. It was bad in the short term. Yeah, the team's worse without you, but they're all glad to see the back here. What does that say? Oh, and that's how you knew, by the way, that Big had had all these bad results this year with Rock Bottom was when you hear those reports, they were considering smooth you again. Yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, fucking hell, things have gotten bad. Yeah, yep. Right, and then one last thing, and then we'll uh, do the questions and we'll get out, um, because I want to just put this in by the numbers in case anyone missed my live stream talking about it. So we're going to bookend it. We talked about Astralis at the start. We'll talk about Refresh at the end. Have you seen the fucking state of how they've handled this LA event? Have I'll tell you what, though. This? Yeah, I saw the details. I'll say yeah. this to start out with, though, Rich. Yeah, go on. First things first, right, before we get into all the fuck up, I will give them credit, right? Expanding the format, having semi-finals be best of three. Someone's oh, yeah. actually listening. I did make that point. And this is where right? I'll never get credit for this. I don't care. All I care about is the impact of what actually happens in real life. So, like, I don't care about whether someone likes what you do. As long as what, I actually, what should happen happens, that's fine, right? So I don't need credit for this. But I did repeatedly, while wrecking Blast and Refresh, tell them, you know, if you were to just make the format at least better, even I would enjoy your tournament more. Even I would consider it more of a meaningful event. So fair play, at least they've listened on that level. Now, yes, they've fucked up the execution completely. We could definitely get in that, but I'll give them I'll give them some plaudits on that. They have at least quite quickly actually started the turnaround on that. So by the way, I will just say, you can never beat me. So I will just say that pisses in the face of everything Jordy Rogg said in his interview. Fuck you. You've literally made your own guy wrong. There you go. You can't win. So yeah. I, at least you agree I am right and he is wrong. Thanks. But um, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Clearly, 
Right, listen, I know what's going on over at the refresh office, man. They're fucking sick of this shit. Of course. They are sick of it. This wasn't how it was meant to go at all. This They were meant to be the saviors. Look what we've brought to you. And remember, again, you could probably go back like 20, you know, not 20 episodes, but like, I don't know, 10 episodes of this or whatever, maybe 20. <laughs> it's been quite a few. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like saying, you know, oh, do we need to think about the Blasters being an elite-level tournament organizer, a point you vehemently disagreed with? Because they'd ran, you know, a string of successful events, like sure. got, past the, got past the first one. But but then that that turns to, yeah, but the format's ass. Oh, sure. what's all this exclusivity stuff? Because, you know, again, the, the, what they thought was going to happen was even the fucking haters, even people that had beef with, were just going to have, they were going to do something so good and so important, yeah. we were going to have to sing their praises. And they own the number one team in the world too. Who knows what else? How, how could it go wrong, right? Yeah, how, how could, could it, it go wrong? wrong? It's always the same story with these motherfuckers. You know, when we're on top, we just act like we can never fail, like our shit doesn't stink. And of course, not only does your shit stink, it's the stinkiest shit of all time because you're not doing it from a pure place. You ain't doing it for love of the game. You ain't doing it for love of the scene. You're doing it for profit margins. It's all you give a fuck about. You want to create something big, wonderful, and special. Not for us, not for people who love the game because you want to asset flip it to a VC company two years from now. That's how you roll, and with impure motivations comes shit like this. People will always see through your bullshit when, when it's called upon. So this should have been a big PR win. Look, we got an event in LA coming up, and look, we're changing the format. Yeah, you also changed the motherfucking dates, the motherfucking venue, and the motherfucking price. Brilliant. Great. Love that. Loving it, right? I love people, fans of this game, the lifeblood of this game, the lifeblood of this industry, putting their hard-earned money, which, <coughs> by the way, doesn't even happen in some of the biggest fucking franchise leagues that you Americans seem to love so fucking much, because we all know, secretly, internally, <coughs> like, OWL is fucking flapping. They are worried, right? So we need motherfuckers to be buying tickets, and you had guys buying tickets, and then for reasons we'll never know because you will not be transparent. You change the venue. Now, here's the problem, right? Conflicting reports out there. Some people said I got some stuff wrong in my live stream. It was breaking news. I apologize. I don't like to uh, put any misinformation out there. And if I did, I'll completely take ownership about that. I heard that the satellite pictures of these, like this new venue, it, it, which on the, on the Google satellite images, it's just a disused warehouse. And then other people are saying there's now a furniture store there. There's probably a way to check. I just threw up the pictures that were out there and didn't do, I guess, my due diligence. It was a live stream. It wasn't a report I put my name to, whatever. But some people are saying it's a fucking furniture store. How do you go from a fuck the, the Galen Center to a furniture store? What has happened? Why have you done that? You need to explain that. And if it isn't a furniture store and it's a disused warehouse, I don't know, is that worse? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on. So that that is madness. And then... Right, I'm just imagining like the beginning, right? Listen, this is how the this is how the movie opens for Blast LA. It's basically the beginning of one of my favorite movies, Blade. You remember there's that guy being led by that like sexy woman. She's like, You want a party, baby? She's taking him through all this meat packing area, and they go into yeah. that sick nightclub, don't they? So in this wow. scenario, she obviously wow. when they're walking around, yeah. she's just going, like, You like best of ones, baby? Oh shit, I got all mm -hmm. that for you, Ben. 
You like you like washed up number one best teams of the era of all time, decaying in front of your eyes, degenerating. It's like, oh yeah, oh shit, oh yeah. Oh, so then you fucking Geordie Rog or whatever's walking through there. And obviously he just rocks up into some literal fucking warehouse. And it's like, guys, when I said rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, it was a metaphor. <laughs> no, no, it's mental. It, 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 it's mental. So then on top of that, right? They then just thought they could get away with this. This is how fucking divorced from reality these motherfuckers are over there. They thought they could get away with putting the price up from $34, including fees, to $100 for one day. Y'all ain't got Benjamins? Just go, yeah. <laughs> just go with that one, in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so let me get this straight. I don't get to attend a, uh, a, a an arena. Right, and I instead I'm coming to a disused warehouse, and I'm paying three times the price. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you know the kicker. On are this you one. smoking spikes over there? Are you, ready, there? The are you, ready, are you, are you ready for the kicker as well? Because this What's one, that? this one, legitimately isn't their fault, but it makes it so funny on a Schadenfreude level. So you've put the price up, right? You've changed the venue, and remember, this is the one event Astralis isn't attending. <laughs> <laughs> You could have at least said you get to see the best team to ever play Counter-Strike. You nah. can't even say that, you stupid idiots. You no, have literally fucked up the whole thing. The whole no, it's, thing. It, no, it's so mental. It's so mental. So they literally did that and just thought everyone had just sucked that the fuck up. That's how mental they are. They thought, like, consumers would just be like, well, three times the price for a worse experience. Sounds pretty good. Like, Daps was probably going, yeah, well, I suppose that is fair. It is your event. I know what you're going to say. You're a total organizer. Well, like, you got your health. <laughs> yeah. well, then, yeah, and Stan is a great guy. Yeah, the, the, the refresher, a great company. But it's only Daps who thinks that way. Everyone else, it's real hard-earned money. It's real time off work. So you move Obviously, to though, at this point, they do get a call on the phone. Nickel and I, well, it was this unknown call from the a plus 44 number. Picks it up, smooth you. Yeah, I remember when I got blamed for all the shit I didn't do either. <laughs> you know, it's mental. So, so who, who, who was going to take that one on the chin? So I did a whole live stream about it. And then, like, two days later, they've realized the madness of it and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll give you guys the opportunity. To if you if you pre-ordered tickets before, we'll give you the opportunity where we'll match the price. Still no explanation for why they moved the venue. Still no explanation for why they moved the dates. Still no explanation for what you do if you've took time off work, book flights, and hotels that you cannot refund. Still no explanation about what what that is. What the fuck is going on? This is like this is pretty incompetent. I'm just gonna say that. I hope people realize how incompetent it is for a company that supposedly ran all of these successful events to have to change date and venue and oh, all of it was Oh by the way <coughs> just it's, so it's just it's so this wild. is on record even though the premise I agree with expand out the number of days and the amount of the f format that's something I agree with 
even I wouldn't say do it for the next event that you've already started selling tickets for. I'd tell you do yeah. it next year. I'm sorry. Like if you know the logistics of running events, it's hard to run events. It's hard to get people to buy tickets to events. It's hard to get people to have any kind of brand loyalty. You saw some of the things ESL went over when they first started their whole premium ticket thing and you had fucking people complaining in the early days because, yeah, they didn't execute it perfectly. Like once yeah. you you don't want to fuck around with that at all. So I wouldn't even have advised them do it now. I'd have said, listen, you should have got to take it on the chin for 28. 19 like you've made your bed on that one but you know what tell people don't worry we're going to fix it for 2020 here's what we're going to do differently and make sure you execute then because obviously another aspect to this which makes you look bad is everyone was telling you you were the shit you were the best tournament organizer but you'd only run one and a half day events you've never actually stepped into the arena you think esl was looking at you and going those one and a half event days they run really pisses all over us in our ESL Cologne legendary tournament that we run every year for a fucking week in a Lancaster. No, of course not. They were thinking, you know what? Chance would be a fine thing that I could run a one and a half day tournament again, like I did 12 years ago or something last. Like that's one of the problems here is again, hubris. Like, why have you done such a short turnaround to fix the whole event? Why are you trying to these last set? Especially because, like I say, it then goes against what you said earlier. You were cool with this format. You thought it was brilliant. So yeah. why the urgency? Like, it, it doesn't all add up, does it? There's, they're caught between two positions. The and worst spot to be in. And it, and it's the madness of it all as well, right? Like, you fucking... Uh, right, you're telling me, right, that you can put a statement out about something called the blast front row experience. And I, when I did the live stream, this is what I was saying. You know how like when you buy a house, they use coded language. Fixer upper means it's a shithole. Of course. Yeah. Cozy, homely. Small, not small. much shit there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No floor space, right? Like, so they they said, like they announced, at, like after they sort of, they put it up on the yeah, I'll give you a, I'll give you a version of that that's more ridiculous yeah. than anything I've ever heard. When I first came to Amsterdam and I was looking at apartments, there was an apartment, right, where this is how badly designed it was. Because it was all like, you know, like very like modern art style design, like a very like fresh architecture. So we were walking, right? And it was obviously because it's Amsterdam, there's like stairs connecting all these different floors. And it was designed so that someone walking down the stairs could look into the area where the shower was, which only had a short wall, and they could have just seen yeah. me naked in the shower, anyone on the stairs. And the guy's way of describing this, to mind fuck you that it was cool, is he goes, playful design? free-spirited and i just go <laughs> I, you can just see people in the shower though can't you and he just goes <laughs> he goes yeah and that's part of the charm and i go fuck off <laughs> that's outrageous isn't it? That is out. i know <laughs> all right look so so they put this what a in, right oh no no that was Playful! You just want someone naked, like, excuse me, I'm just, oh, sorry, you are just walking up the stairs. Part of the charm, innit? No, listen, there's one place I want to be, have privacy. So I'm naked, cleaning my fucking shit-addled body, innit? Like, I don't want people just looking at me on the stairs. All right, hello. <laughs> Nothing playful about that, is there? Living in a hostel 24 7. You backpacking as well. But I no, said, to tie it into your original point, though, I did think to myself, <laughs> while I thought the goal of the guy, I thought, to be fair, how else would you spin that? Like, he's done an half decent job with the euphemism, <laughs> hadn't he? Like, mm. 
Uh, but anyway, so they moved to a fucking smaller venue, which is going to be porky as fuck. Like, it, 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 we looked at the what was supposedly the interior. People were even disputing if that was the interior. Like, here's the reason why people think it's a furniture store, because on their website, it does say it's the HD Buttercup address. And obviously, sometimes Google Maps is out of date. You know, you don't know what year uh, the, the, the pictures were taken. So... Anyway, whatever, right? So they, they keep talking about this front row thing and how it's going to blow all our minds, but didn't explain what front row is, right? And from what I can gather, it basically means, because everyone's going to be like squeezed in and that, we're just going to have to pretend we meant to give you access to key areas. Here's why, here's why that's my theory. It says the Blast Pro Series Los Angeles front row is a two-day tournament and live experience in the untraditional... But beautiful, No, literally, they're fucking. You know, they're, they're, they're fucking with your mind, right? A two-day tournament live experience in the untraditional but beautiful facilities of the historic HD Buttercup Building. Now, the HD Buttercup Building is a fucking furniture store, right? Anyway, it says maybe lunch with a picture where it looks sick. Crazy yeah, idea. Yeah, just a thought. Yeah, but they haven't even had time to get out there because this is a last-minute fucking scramble. Like a fucking Chinese fire drill. No one knows what's going on, right? Introducing best of three semi-finals, right? Oh, brilliant. Great. You've you've changed the game again by doing what everyone else <laughs> suggested. Um, says you've got six world-class Counter-Strike teams, which include FaZe, MIBR, Cloud9, Team Liquid, NRG, and one that we don't even know yet. Brilliant. And then it says here, in the venue... Team zones, bar areas, stages, and studios will have access for fans, players, and partners with loads of activities. Well, listen, if I'm a pro, the last thing I want to be doing zone. is... Yeah. yeah. They can just go where zones. the teams are. Yeah, if you have access. And it says exclusive access to the stage and player zones, talent studios, open production area, open media zones, casters boxes, Intimate stages. Yeah. The boxes have literally gone already. Yeah, the, bo the boxes have literally gone. <laughs> Influencer and streamer areas. So now we're going to get all the dickheads. Who knows? Maybe Dr. Disrespect will be doing a paid thing there. He won't be streaming on Twitch because he just got banned for filming in a urinal. Um, go check that story out. That's breaking. Um, and photo opportunities and red carpet for special guests. Let me tell you, if I was working an event or if I was competing at this event, this is a nightmare because I need time and space to do my fucking job because it is a job. And I like meeting fans, right? Used to before they were all trying to stab and shoot me. Used to love that. Used to be a big part of why I enjoyed going to events. But it has to be done in a fucking controlled fashion and at set time so I can still do my job and give it the level of craft <coughs> and dedication it deserves. Open fucking green rooms. <laughs> Mate, we're all fired tomorrow if that fucking happens. What's that? Just one little fucking cheeky guy was doing the stream. Hey, look, and there's Thorin and Richard over there. And what are they talking about? Right? So, you know what I mean? Like, we, it's not good. Like, people are different privately to what they are in a broadcast. There has to be some privacy. It's mental. It's 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 so insane. By the way, and it sounds like they're doing claim... it because there's not enough space. Oh no! There's the other thing as well. Those teams who, yes, as yet have not publicly complained, they're going to go mental if there's some fan in any fucking area where they're like discussing things privately or practicing before they come on stage. Like they're not going to be happy with that. You know, from the past, what Fallen and all the rest of them are like on Twitter when ESL ever fucked up anything on the event, mate, they're going to yeah. go mental. Yeah. 
So this this whole concept of front row, let me tell you, that is something that's even more cancer than your best of ones, than you, uh, you know, owning teams, than your soft exclusivity. That is terrible. You're not meant to have access to everything if you're a fan. You're not. I'm sorry. It's got to be said. This is madness. Yeah, it's okay. We like lifting the veil a little bit, but it's it's a professional environment. It's a competitive environment. You know, think about like when when a team wins a Super Bowl, they might have a camera in while they're giving the speech and everything. You don't then follow them at the fucking after party, still fucking, you know, filming it all, do you? Let them go let off some fucking steam in private. Wild. So, and again, it honestly sounds like they've thrown this together at the last minute because it's like fucking hell. It's just a warehouse, isn't it? There's just no walls. And I'll also reiterate, because again, like fans are going to be able to understand why a pro player wouldn't want someone hanging around them all the time when they're not on stage for the match. But it goes with talent as well. When you work the hours, you sometimes have to work to do these events of your talent. That green room is your fucking oasis. You have to be able to chill out there to just let your mind rest for a moment, not to have to worry that everything you are saying is being scrutinized by millions of people around the world. The last thing you want is to look over and see some cunt with specs on fucking writing down whatever you're saying. Like, <laughs> what did he just call DDK there? Shut the fuck up. None of your business. I know. Like, thinking of conversations that, like, me, you, and Anders have had about fucking simulation theory and where it ends up and how it all goes. Like, no one needs to hear this shit. It's just stuff how, it's just how we blow off steam. It's so mental. So anyway, yeah, fuck that. Fuck all of that. Fuck that event. Fuck thinking you can just rip off your fucking fans and then go, hey, guys, don't worry. We're not going to charge you more than three times the price of the original tickets anymore. We'll give you an opportunity to pay what you already had paid for a different venue, a better venue, a different time, a different day, different part of LA. Don't worry. We've got you. We're fucking refresh. We know what's good. Fuck this event. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Have I actually given them too, too much credit here? Is it possible, Richard, that for some reason they just had some sort of a conflict with the original venue, saw we're going to have to move it anyway, and then thought, fuck, last minute booking a venue, that's going to be expensive. Why don't we say we're going to change the format? And it has to be, I don't no, know. No, this is exactly what having. went down. This is exactly what went down. Look, <clears throat> they thought they could just trot out the whole, <clears throat> we're doing best of the I think they were going to do it anyway. You think that was tacked on at the end as a clever spin? No, no, no. I, I think they were going to do it anyway, <clears throat> but, what I, but what I mean is like they, they were always going to use that as a PR offensive. They've soaked up all this negativity, you know, people like me and you banging on them, who, you know, blast Rallis, fucking fuck the blast. Oh, I agree. They were going to go the riot approach. Yeah. Well, what you say is for years, you said, no, I don't need your wheel. And then you go, I've invented a wheel, guys. And then everyone goes, yeah. fuck, yay! Riot's yeah. done it right for once. And yeah, because you've been so yeah. sick of them fucking up. You are in a mad sense almost happy that they did what they should have done from day one, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> so they were waiting, they were waiting. They thought, right, our events coming up. Generally, when our events are coming, you know, and there's some other Counter-Strike events going on, ECS as an event, you know, we got Cologne coming up, we got EPS coming up. So now is the time to say, look, guys, we're making our events better. It drops right in the, the hole when everyone's distracted by the games. And, you know, probably as well, they were probably thinking, yeah, we'll hit them with a <coughs> whammy. Astralis will win ECS. And we'll say that we're changing the... And we win. We win the PR offensive because, yes, they are that cynical. This is how these people think, right? But then they're, they're just so incompetent. They're so stupid. They, they, they have so little respect 
for the fans, for the community, for this game, for this business. So little respect for all of it. They honestly were like, yeah, well, it's perfectly reasonable to change everything about the event. Everything. Everything. I have never seen that. And they didn't, I, I, as far I've as I can tell, change. they didn't I've seem to apologize at all, did they? Were they even contrite? No. I didn't see anything. Not in the an apology. They, they made Not it sound, they did the classic scumbag move of making it sound like it was better that they changed it, which is, I hate that already. I mean, I could tell you a story from the, my past already that, I don't know if I've ever told a camera, I had a story once with Carmack that was like that, where I basically just completely wrecked into his face where he's trying to spin some like utterly egregious scenario where basically the very long and short of it is there was a massive match in Counter-Strike years ago and I was casting for ESL at the time. And what happened was, because it was held at a trade show in China, the trade show had to shut down at a certain point in night, you know, you know, you couldn't right. keep playing past, I don't know, 8 p.m. or whatever, like security threw you out. So this match was on to map three and it hadn't begun map three yet. So what the Carmack did was he comes on the stream from China and he goes, right, guys, brilliant news. You're not going to believe it, but we're having the first ever match Counter-Strike that, you know, it's sort of like Wimbledon where it gets rained off and they play resume play the next day. We're going to have the first match to ever span two days. And he mm. spun it like it was somewhat wicked. And I literally just said, you know, you can say that, but isn't that actually a bad thing? You know, the match isn't going to be completed. The teams have already warmed up. Whoever loses map three, you'll just say it's fucked up. Like my point there is like, it's one thing that you've had a problem. I can accept you've had a problem. Maybe you say, sorry about the way this has gone, folks. Didn't expect this. Or, you know, I realize this isn't what you expected or what you'd originally paid for, but we're going to do what we can. It's when you not only like refuse to accept responsibility, you make it sound like it's good. Like, oh, this is better. You've got the front row experience. It's like, that isn't a thing. You can't yeah. sell me on that shit. Yeah. So I, I, I like like you say for me the, the the what should happen is there should always be a clear reason why the bad thing that's happened has happened. You you owe that to consumers, you owe that to customers. Like I say, in the past, you know, MLG have had to change, like they've had to cancel whole events, you know, and they've had to come out and be like completely contrite and explain why. People have moved dates for events and had to explain why. Occasionally, people have had to change venues. They have always explained why. Nobody knows why you've done any of this. Nobody knows why it's more expensive to go to a furniture store than it is the Galen Center. I want to know that. I'm, you know, if I'm a fan, if I'm a consumer, I have a right to know what I'm paying my money for. Don't try and sell me a load of shit. You haven't even announced all the fucking teams yet, let alone trying to upsell me on some front row experience, which sounds like a fucking nightmare for everyone involved. Like... You know, you know what I mean? Front row experience. Like, yeah, I had a front row experience at Dream at London where that dickhead tried to fucking get on the stage with a fucking sign and all that. Yeah, brilliant. Lots of fun. Love those. Right? Like, what are we talking about here? What what, what I do want to By the way, for any why European, the venue had to move. <clears throat> for any European as well, I'll just add this. The Galen Centre, first of all, is where Season 2 World Championship was in League of Legends. It was like a legit venue. And as far as I know, I forget what team plays there, but it's actually like basically like a fucking basketball stadium where I think the NCAA team players or whatever the fuck. So like, this is a legit venue. So I also suspect there's another element to that, which is tell you what, it's fucking hard to sell out some venues. Maybe they couldn't sell all the tickets for it. Maybe that's another factor behind it all. And they thought, why fucking swallow the cost? Why not just get the money back, the deposit, pay a little bit of that and then go elsewhere and try and make your money recoup elsewhere. Could believe that would be a factor as well. And again, just, just remember this. Mr. Nyholm, um, I am your fucking brick top, mate. You and your company are on thin fucking ice, and I will be under it when it breaks, you fucking cunts. I'm in all of your shit, because this isn't acceptable. 
you literally tried to rob fans of this game and you haven't apologized and for giving them a price match, which I'm pretty sure under fucking... Um, Probably illegal, I assume. Yeah, I'm standards sure and practices. I'm pretty sure before. you will be obliged to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> you then try and make it look like it is a fucking favor. Get your fucking head out your ass and fix your fucking company and fix your fucking events and give everyone an explanation that we are entitled to. End. Right, let's do the questions. Um, have we got any? Oh, yep, of course, Butt Pound is it. Butt Pounder, of course. So Butt Pounder 420 is... By the way, the... you know, yeah. obviously, you've been loving that guy's name. Right, I've I now mean, I don't a... know why you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's He's worse than that. You were He's the one who loving it on that last episode. But anyway, now right. someone else has subscribed to our Patreon who's called something ridiculous like Anus Destroyer or something like <laughs> that. It's gonna keep going, but, isn't it? I know. Yeah. No. Listen, I've, I've been saying, I've been saying for, for a while. You know. You, you, it's and by the way, we appreciate you supporting this destroyer, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Cheers, Drive. It's 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 all good. Um. You know. Um. Anyway, Pounder four twenty says, "Is the twenty sixteen Optic NA roster the biggest what could have been lineup in CS:GO's history?" Got to be up there, right? Because, I mean, the yeah. thing with that team was, again, that's a team where I personally don't think they actually was... I know Stanislaw himself would disagree with me, but I don't think that had seen its best days entirely. Like, it had oh. the one major that it went badly at. And if you remember, that was the major where they managed to literally draw Astralis and fucking Virtus Pro. It's like two of the first teams in the Swiss system. Like, it's got to be the most unlucky draw you could ever get as maybe the number three team in the fucking world, getting number one and number two. So I think that one is a really rough one. Come on, man. We couldn't have had like three more tournaments to really know for sure if it, if the magic was gone or if they were going to be amazing. Because I have to say, I look at what happened after that, Richard, with Cloud9 going on to win the major, with the fucking rise of Team Liquid. And I say, there's some of the same players. This couldn't have happened yeah. before. Like NA basically cut itself down at the legs. And obviously the worst part is that the Optic team without Stannis Lodge never did anything. They just wild away until everyone had to go and split up into Team Liquid and Cloud9. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a tough one. I'm trying to think of other ones. And again, just purely talking about CSGO here. Obviously. Well, I had a similar article like this, if you remember, where it was like lineups that left us wanting more or whatever. So I'll yeah. I, I'll look it up, but I, I seem to remember like one of my top ones on that, for example, was like the Titan team when Kaylee got banned was an obvious one. Yeah. You know, sure. What would have happened with that one? Uh, let me think what else there was. I'll look it up, actually. I'll see what the top ones were. I mean, yeah, and, and just while you're doing that, I think I'll probably give a special uh, reference to, I mean, because you even did a documentary about it. What would have happened with FaZe Clan if they hadn't been chopping and changing all off my No, all of my yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that, right, that... on my list here, I had the Optic one was number five. And then right. I had, like, number one was, uh, uh, actually, number one was um, NIP with Makalele. The right. first time round, because obviously there's one where they just cut it off super quick, like three yeah, events true. and I think four events they played and they cut it off immediately. Whereas that was a mad dynamic team. Uh, I had the Titan one, as I said. Let's see, who else did I have? Uh, I actually had the other phase lineup as well, the one before Olaf and Guardian, because obviously, you know, that team just bombed one major and immediately yeah. made the change. So that was, was a pretty fucking good team at the time. Uh let me see. I had the LDLC before the French Shuffle, the one that was like Kaylee and fucking yeah. Maniac and stuff, because they just hit their pride, like their stride. There's a, there's actually quite a few teams out there. Actually, read this article, basically, if you're the guy out there. It's basically what you want to read. It's, it's exactly yeah. all these teams. Yeah. Um, so there's that. 
Reykjavik on Steam says this Blastralis team might not be the best, but I'm sure as a new and well-rested team, they might be able to rise to be a good team in the future. What do you and Thorin think about this new team, and can they possibly make uh, make it into the top 10? So it's it, it's a joke question. I think we probably covered all of the points at the start of the show, if you, if you if you were around for it, basically. like I think they've got real problems. and we're, The acid test is EPS. Like, straight up. Like they they need to be in the final against Team Liquid minimum, um, or it's it it is done. It uh, EPL, is EPL. EPL I, think, I think it said ECS. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. And and that's it. That's all the questions. So uh, just a joke one. And remember, if you want to ask a question, we have extended it to the patron. Um. All the patrons, yeah. fifty dollars. I mean, shit. Like at this point, eh, you know. Might even go a little bit further down the trough, and we can, you know, when we don't have a, we can just keep collating them and building them up. So when we don't have any, I mean, I just want to say I appreciate people who give money and then just shut the fuck up and let us talk. <laughs> yeah, true. true. Maybe true. use true. that as the Patreon video. Yeah, that <laughs> can just be it. me saying that. Yeah, um, so and then anyway, offer them a price match. But anyway, so go check all of that out, and of course, shout out to our. Uh, patron uh, all our patrons who support us via the patreon that got this uh, podcast back up uh, on its feet uh, there are hundred dollar patrons jerky's mini and detlef insomniac rickabick on steam mikhail alex or ragnarsson and of course but pounder 420 and our 50 dollar patrons marcus kiampa tc owen sadzwa watch doge carve madsen colin penny and benakagia sashin that was another episode of by the numbers don't know when we'll be back uh looks like it might be a slow news week uh, for next week, so um, hopefully, we'll you can get involved in a few situations. Then we'll have a half a show right there. I'm sure he will. Uh, Maybe Bass uh, will fuck around. You know, I think the usual suspects will keep us in. Yeah, work, you know, good, good, glad to hear it. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, you know, we'll let you know. Stay glued to Twitter. We'll tell you when the next episode's going to be. And until then, take care of yourselves. <laughs>